This Lcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's feeling a little batty. Welcome, Jacob. Well, yeah, ouch! Yeah, that always hurts. Why, thank you. Let me hear you what did I tell you about using the cattle prod? Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't use the cattle prod? You have a short circuit or something? As far as we know. Okay, gee, thanks. It's okay, I know I have Tourette's disorder, but I don't spaz that much. Come on, really? Seriously? But why thank you? Let me introduce our co-host, a man who just feel like, why on earth did you let the toxic ooze have the treat again? Welcome, Drew. <laughs> I so want to quote I the news right now. <laughs> Do it. Go ahead. If I can think of it. Oh, I, got, I know it. Oh, the things that I have missed. The Black Plague. The Spanish Inquisition. Burn. <laughs> yes! <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition. I love that line. Oh my gosh. I, I, I it can't. makes sense. He's they're both ooze. They both were locked up for a very long time. Yeah. And the stupid and, and uh some villainous people let them out, technically. That is true. Technically. That is so true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I cannot wait. Ivan Ooze did it better. <laughs> I, I agree, he did. He did. Yeah, toxic, toxic, not toxic. Oh, Texas. Uh, Texas. Thank you. Thank You're you thinking know? toxic love. That's yeah, I am thinking toxic love. But Texas, he like is an interesting villain, but he's not a good. He's not a very good villain. Apparently, that song was a lot more suggestive in its original form. You think? <laughs> With a name like that, yes. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, uh, are you ready to? to Go ahead and talk. Let's get into yeah. talking about this. Well, be- before we do, because we we did we did a review on uh, Nate Marchand's show, uh, uh, Monster Island Film Vault. Yeah, uh, a couple of months ago. I don't know if the show's the episode's been released yet. Has it? Where we did uh, Power Rangers. Yes, Power the Power Rangers episode. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So just to let you guys know we did that a couple of months ago. Uh, it's out. It's been out for a while. So yeah. you guys go give Nate some love on that show and listen to us ramble about Power Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie where we talk very yes. you know, like just think, gush and, about the, the and then go check out the episode where me and Nate were both on uh, yes uh, yes retro rewind podcast doing the same thing like literally two weeks apart yeah that was <laughs> oh my gosh that that was a, what Nate described was oh my gosh be like wow that's that's a lot of Power Rangers in one week or one couple of weeks. But bear in or. mind, he'd been watching Power Rangers like that's true for he Power Rangers all twenty nine seasons that's in true. a year. Wow, that that's an impressive feat. So yeah, go go yeah twenty nine seasons. Love. Go do make some love. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Fern Gully. Yeah. Certified fresh and spoiler free. So here's the thing. Uh, okay, here's the story. This is the story all about how Fern Gully scared me as a child. And I watched it again, and I have no idea where I got scared. I, I was, I was, I was halfway expecting because obviously we're reviewing this for the podcast. Yeah, and I'm halfway expecting me like, yeah, I turned it off. I don't know why. I just didn't like it so much. Be like, can we do another movie? <laughs> I wasn't gonna do that to you, man. You already pulled that. <laughs> Say what? 
<laughs> you pulled that on me with Chicken Run, dude. He's like, oh yeah, I just didn't like the movie. I'm not recalling this. Go back and listen to Chicken Run. Anyway. Oh, okay. Not going to get into that. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I just hit a wrong button over here. Wrong um, button. So, yeah. I watched this and, th- and I think I know. I think I know. Around what time? Because it was after Hexus gets released. Uh-huh. And I think it was just like a... As, as a child of course of it course. was that pile of little things that just added up to is like and i'm out of here yeah and you know things build up in, you, in your mind as a kid you read too much into stuff Fair. so i'm going to go with the fact that you've got tim curry voicing the villain mm-hmm. on and him getting released by a giant machine uh, very very violent machine <laughs> I'm going with that as to why I, I got scared at this yeah. movie. But I was like, because I, I watched this whole thing and I thought, this is nothing. I've seen far, far scarier films than this. What was I thinking? And actually, I, I will admit, it's about what I expected. It was an a environmental movie that, while it wasn't really preaching still fell in the traps most environmental movies fall in I mean, and I environmental movies for kids fall into it's not bad if you i mean if you've got positive memories definitely go back and watch it yeah uh but i mean i it's not what i'm returning to I understand i'll put it that way i gotcha what about you uh so before that because you mentioned something well we did chicken run uh, go back and listen to that episode, Chicken Run. We did that in 2021. Yes. Uh, so go give that I a listen. I don't want to be a pie. I, my gosh. <laughs> like, honestly, I forgot we did that film. I honestly did. So I forgot what that that what you said. I was like, did I say that? <laughs> you did it as a joke. Okay. You were getting into, like, the main review. Yeah. Or the, the spoiler-free review. And you said, yeah, I just didn't like this one. It wasn't for me. And I remember doing that head turn. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. I, apparently, I'm going to go back and listen to my own episode because I don't remember it. Well, that happens when you you put out so much so much. Right, I don't remember your... a lot of things. This is just one of the times that stuck out to me. <laughs> Either or. Because so... I wanted to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, Fergully, The Last Frame Force. And Christian Love. <laughs> and Christian Love, of course. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Inside joke, if you guys don't know. Um, who who came up with that? I can't remember. I'm that. the one who said it originally. You did. you did. That's right. I was angry at the cars on the road, and I, as normal, I talked to the cars on the road. Yes. And did. then remembered I was driving a church van and try, and a truck. As a knee jerk reaction, as soon as I got done being angry at the cars, I just said, "In Christian love." And it just stuck the entire time. Oh and it, I will never live it down. No, you won't. You I'm, won't. But. Going back to uh, my my first my first viewing of Fern Gully, The Last Ring Forest was when I was a very small child. Uh, obviously, me and Drew are a little bit older. I'm a little older than he is. Um, only two years. Two years. Two years older. But uh, I remember watching this film because my mom bought the VHS back in the day when VHS was a thing, people. Ours was a rental. Ah. Uh, I, I don't remember. We rented it first when we bought it. From Movie Palace. Movie Palace. Ah. So I remember. I think we rented it first. 
Now, Grant, I'm fairly certain my father would say we never watched this film, but we did because I remember very distinctly watching this movie over and over and over again as a child, really enjoying it. One of those you would award you wore the VHS out on? Maybe. Maybe I well, no, we we didn't because we had so much of a big circulation of cartoons oh, that we okay. could watch. Because my mom bought like all the old clamshell mm-hmm. uh, DVD, the white boxes, the white boxes for uh, Disney classics. Yeah, what? Be like, we had a ton of them, and then in, they, they in got the plastic, yeah the white plastic shell. Mm-hmm. And then uh, certain somebody who I'm not going to name, uh, we let them borrow, and then they sold them. Shame. Yeah. Either or, um, so I watched this you know, periodically through my childhood. Really enjoyed it. I loved the I loved the the aesthetic of what was going on. Uh, probably one of those influences when you're a young kid and influence it influences you artistically because it's beautifully well done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I just thinking back, like look at my my little little heart. I, I may had a little crush on Krista, maybe a little as as, as a little as a little guy. So I, that might have been a factor. You never know. Uh, so. So yes, I confess I may have had a little, a little crush on Krista when I was a little kid, uh, but overall I I remember enjoying this movie tremendously. And whenever we watched it, uh, now as an adult rewatching it, uh, well, let's back up a little. Let's back up a little bit and go back into the cell gas because uh, when uh, shot back, but no G kids, G kids released it right. Shot Factory. Shot Factory. It's actually it's the label is Shot Factory Kids. Shot Factory Kids. Okay, that's right. My mistake. So Shot Factory Kids tends to do the international stuff. That is true. That is true. This is technically a domestic film. That is true. It is. So Shot Factory re-released it on Blu-ray last year, early like mid middle of last year, mm-hmm. mid late last year. And uh, I was doggedly because I reported on it in the news for the cellcast, and I was doggedly determined I'm gonna go. Watch, I'm gonna buy this movie, watch it again because I loved it as a kid. And we were at spring. We were at singles retreat where the in Christian love thing comic, happened. Yeah, thing happened. So me and Ashley went into Walmart. It's another funny story with the van issue with that. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> Every time we had to make a stop. Like, no, there's always oh, 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 he's got a, he's looking for Fern Gully again. <laughs> and then that one time we were stuck at that Walmart there in the same uh, Walmart Walsh Springs. Mm-hmm. And we had the car turned off because we thought y'all were just gonna well, it was an old van. Yeah. And we thought we never get the y'all van. were just gonna go in, get the ice, and come back out. Mm-hmm. Nope. We sit there for about a good five, ten minutes, and I huh. said, Jacob's looking for Fern Gully, I just <laughs> bet. And everyone looked at me like I was a nut. (laughs) Come to find out, you come up there. Y'all got the ice. It's not melted, thankfully. No, it wasn't melted. That would wait till the drive home. Yeah. (laughs) My gosh, yes. That van was hot. Yeah, oh my gosh. And as soon as you got it, I said, said, you looked for Fern Gully, didn't you? He's like, yep. (laughs) Yep, I did. See, I told you. I bought it. He's looking for that (laughs) stupid movie. I was determined to go find it, so I did. I bought it on Blu-ray. That's the version I bought. And I've watched it at this point, I think twice, three times already. Like, so it'd be like, yeah, nostalgia is way back here. It'd be like, it's so firm. It's not even funny. It's like, a, it's like a root of a tree. It's not coming out. I'm but, just saying, despite him not being a main character, there's a reason Batty's the one featured on the, on the cover. True. Because he's about the only bright spot in this film. 
but uh like as as an adult and watching it with new perspective as an adult and trying not to let you know the nostalgia route right take hold be like i i, I see i see the flaws in the film i see that be like yeah it is very heavily preachy about environmentalism which i'll be like even yeah, though they claimed they weren't being preachy no they were claiming they were they're being just telling they were. a story that happened to be environmentally friendly yeah it's like yeah yeah sure. yeah they're gonna be like we, we should take care of our environment obviously oh yeah uh i i do i disagree with a lot of this what the story is telling but like it's a nice story it's be like got beautiful animation do not get me wrong it's got some kind of first in there it's it's one of the first more independent films from what away from the like the big big studios doing things but i enjoyed the film for what it was i see the flaws in the film and i don't know kind of torn but i'm 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 curious what your likes and dislikes are because i i kind of left myself open i didn't mm-hmm. write likes or dislikes i just kind of it's like okay let's free flow here let's, let's okay yeah so that is my unspoiler free review of fern gully the last rainforest well then let's just go ahead and jump into the spoiler filled section mm-hmm. the following is a spoiler filled review for the movie fern gully the last rainforest listener discretion is advised Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, was directed by Bill Croyer, who also directed some a video named Computer Warriors. Computer Warriors. That was literally the he only had four things listed on his on his. Oh, okay. one being Fern Gully, the other three things. It's like I've never heard of any of these, hmm. and it's like the one that sounded like the goofiest was Computer Warriors. Sounds like it ought to be a Power Rangers episode season. It does. Uh, it was written by Jim Cox, who also wrote uh, the movie we watched last week. The Rescue is Down Res- Under. Exactly. And it is based on the stories by Diana Young. Oh, that's right. It is an adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. It is an adaptation. Getting into the cast, we've got Tim Curry as Hexus. Always good villain. He is such a good villain that when Star Wars The Clone Wars needed a second out of three Chancellor Palpatines, mm-hmm. they hired him for 10 episodes. Yep. Because he played Chancellor Palpatine Darth Sidious in, the, in that show during season six. Yeah. What's, what's season six or season five? Five and six. Five and six. Because I remember they did not use him for his few scenes in season seven. They used somebody else. Oh, okay. But uh, I, I, I was going through Star Wars The Clone Wars and when it got to season five, obviously there's a shift, and it's like you hear Palpatine. It's well, like, the, oh the, crap! The it's original, Tim Curry, the original actor who was playing Palpatine in that, which was not Ian McDermott. Yes, yeah. they they used an entirely new cast, of course, for this, so they wouldn't have to pay you know expensive expenses. As ex- they wouldn't have to pay as much. And I'm I'm thinking, yeah, you didn't have to pay as much. Yeah. And the first one, guys, and it's like, well, we need someone else. Who are we gonna? How about we get Tim Curry? Okay. Yeah, Tim Curry. You're sitting there going, and I remember watching that when I was going back through. I was like, "That voice is different. Mm-hmm. Why does that voice sound better? <laughs> Sounds <is> that? better." <laughs> Get to the credits. That's Tim Curry. <laughs> no wonder he sounds better. <laughs> it's like obviously me, like you know, watching the episode. I was like, "That's Tim Curry," because yeah. like immediately, that's Tim Curry, and it's like, "Oh my gosh." Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I told I totally heard it. Yeah, so yeah. Tim Curry is a villain 
anything he says is gold <laughs> as a villain. Well, mostly. Mostly, but yeah. That's moving on. Yeah. I, I, sh- I really need a voice clip here. In fact, do you look? I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space! Where is that from? That's from Command and Conquer Red Alert. Oh my gosh! Yes, that yeah. You'll you'll get that clip in the audio <laughs> version, people. You are welcome, patrons. That's great. Okay, moving on. Samantha Mathis plays Krista, and she played Daisy in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Christian Slater played uh-huh. Pips, and in Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves, he played Will Scarlet. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that film. Jonathan Ward played Zach, and in Steel Magnolias, he played Jonathan Eatonton. I keep hearing I need to watch that film. I have not seen it either. I don't know. But of course, we got Robin Williams playing Batsy Coda, and he played Mork from Mork in Mork and Mindy. Yeah, I'd be like, I've heard of Mork and Mindy. I've heard clips of it. Never saw it. Nanu, nanu. Apparently. Grace Zabriskie as Maggie Loon, and she played the character of Dottie in Armageddon. The movie Armageddon? The movie Armageddon. She played a character named Dottie. Oh, okay. Oh, I think what you're talking about. I think. I could be wrong. I have to go back and watch that film again. Anyway, Jeffrey Blake played Ralph. He was Wesley in Forrest Gump. Okay, a film I haven't watched in decades. Robert Pastorelli played Tony, and he played Vinny in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Another set of movies I never saw. Kingdom Hearts Connections, we have one. Uh. Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin? Cheech Marin, as in Cheech from Cheech and Chong. In yeah. fact, both Cheech and Chong were in this movie. What? <laughs> yes. Say it's not so. Cheech was Stump. Oh, okay. I'm assuming Chomp. Chomp. Chong <laughs> was not far from there. Oh, okay. But in Kingdom Hearts, he reprised his role as Banzai. The hyena. I totally forgot about that. That is freaking cool. Oh my gosh, that's cool. And that's what I got in the cast list. What we got in info and stuff. All right, so let me get to info and stuff. Don't move. You're going to move anyway. All right, so for info and stuff, IMDb, that is a 6.5 out of 10. It's bad average. YouTube, it's you can watch it on YouTube for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you watch it? I watched it on YouTube. Okay. I watched it because it on was the free. Disc. Okay. Makes sense. I actually watched it early this time for a change. I still beat you. You prob- When did you watch it? Monday. Ah, I watched it on Tuesday. I'm going to watch it on Monday, but I was having problems then. But either way, that's here or there. Um, so production was Corey. Corey? Corey, Corey Films Incorporated, Young Heart Productions, FAI Films, distributed by 20th Century, 20th Century Fox Studios, now 20th Century Studios. Except they no longer own the rights to this film. Then who owns the rights to this film? Shout Factory. That makes sense. That's why Disney didn't get the animation rights to this when they bought it. That makes sense now. Like totally they did was, every other animated movie that, that Fox had. That is true. That makes total sense why it never came out with Disney. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder Not why. that I can see Disney jumping on this one, to be honest. Eh. But 
it's it's got enough it's got enough of a cult following behind it that yeah we'll get more into why when we get to the uh yes. yeah all right so release date uh it was released first here in north america of course on uh april 10th 1992 and australia in august 27th of the same year box office had an estimated budget of 24 million dollars its opening weekend for the united states and canada was a resounding 2.5 million dollars on april april 12th 1992 its u.s and canada gross was 24.6 million dollars its world its uh gross world was 32.7 million dollars so this movie did not do well in theaters be like yeah it made its money back for promotion and all that good mm-hmm. stuff yeah it it lost money uh home release uh four months four wow that is that's a turnaround definitely for 1993 uh four months after the theatrical release 20 20th century fox home entertainment uh under its under its previous name fox video released Ferngully on VHS and Laserdisc on August 20, August 26, 1993, not 92, not 93, but 92. My apologies. Um, on the cells were strong with an approximately 5 million units sold by 1998. That's really impressive. Uh, and uh, also including, um, 125,000 in Australia. Fox re-released the film on DVD in 2001 as Family Fun Edition DVD was released in 19 in 2005. The special the special editions included commentary by director by the director and art and art director. Uh, for its 20th anniversary, Fun Girlie was released on Blu-ray the first time. On March 6, 2012, including the same features from the Family Fun Edition, Shout Factory, Shout Factory released Ferngully on Blu-ray in 2022 as a part of its 30th anniversary. Sequel. Yes, there's a sequel to this movie. Of course. It was the only other thing the company that made this made. <laughs> All right. So Ferngully 2, The Magical Rescue, uh, was released on March 17th, 1998. Uh, obviously, it's an American fantasy adventure film. Went to direct, directly to uh, directly to uh, direct to DVD sequel. Uh, obviously, Ferngully: The Last Rainforest in 1992. So, yeah, that's about all I've got. All right, then let's jump into the summary. Mm-hmm. Krista is a fairy of curious nature who lives in Ferngully, a picturesque rainforest tree, sorry, picturesque rainforest free from human pollution. The fairies of Ferngully once lived in harmony with humans, but believed them to have gone extinct after having been driven away by a dark spirit named Hexus. Krista is an apprentice of Magi, a fairy who was who imprisoned Hexus in a tree. One day, Krista explores a new part of the forest and meets Batty Coda, a bat who claims to have been experimented on by humans, giving him a manic and deluded personality. However, fairies refuse to believe him except for Krista, who volunteers to investigate the situation. She meets Zack, a young lumberjack whom Krista accidentally shrinks when she tries to save him from being crushed by a falling tree. 
though does not know how to restore him to normal size. Zack believes Krista to be hostile, but gains trust in her when she saves when she saves him from a hungry goanna. Mm. <laughs> These are not Joanna's lumberjacks. <laughs> Sorry. The, the tree that Hexus is imprisoned in is cut down by Zack's supervisors, Tony and Ralph. Hexus quickly begins to regain his powers by feeding on pollution. He manipulates Tony and Ralph to drive to Fern Gully. In Fern Gully, Zack meets Pips, a fairy jealous of Zack's relationship with Krista. Zack begins to fall in love with Krista, but hides the true reason that the humans have returned. Mm. When the signs of Hexus's resurrection begin to manifest themselves in poisoned trees and rivers, Zack finally admits the humans are destroying the forest. The fairies mount an attempt to defend their homes, knowing their fight is hopeless. Zack convinces Batty to aid him in stopping the machine before it destroys them. When Zack makes his presence known to Tony and Ralph, Hexus takes over the machine and begins to wildly destroy the forest. Maggie sacrifices herself to give the fairies a chance as she tells Krista to remember everything she's learned. Zack manages to stop the machine, depriving Hexus of the source of his power, but he manifests himself within the oil in the machine and begins to ignite the forest ablaze. Krista sacrifices herself by allowing herself to be devoured by Hexus, and all seems lost until he begins to sprout limbs and leaves like a tree. Pips and the rest of the fairies rally to the powers that have been given, which causes the seed that Krista fed Hexus to start growing wildly. Hexus and the machine are both simultaneously imprisoned by the newly grown tree at the very border of Fern Gully, which bursts into bloom. Krista appears after the fight, having survived, and succeeds Maggie as a magical fairy. She gives Zack a seed, begging him to remember everything that has transpired, and she forlornly restores him to his human size. Remembering the seed in his hand, Zack promises to remember his adventure and buries the seed in the soul before telling Ralph and Tony that things need to change as they have as, as they leave the forest behind them. The seed sprouts new growth for Ferngully, and Krista playfully chases Pips with Batty following. Getting into the trivia for this one. FAI Films, which only ever produced Ferngully and its sequel, mm -hmm. was acquired by HIH Insurance in 1998. HIH closed in 2001. In June 2012, administrators for HIH placed advertisements trying to sell the rights to both films. On November 11th, 2021, Shout Factory announced a deal with Machine Media Advisors, stating to be the owners of the rights to Fern Gully for worldwide distribution rights to the film. Also, some reviewers have commented that the 2009 James Cameron film Avatar plagued thematic and plot elements from Fern Gully. Though others have stated simply one of the many films that Avatar is similar to, or have dismissed the comparison entirely. The 2013 film Epic was also one to said to have an, uh, an original plot similar to Fern Gully. I can see that. The Fern Gully forest depicted in this movie was based on Australia's rainforests. The cartoonists who worked on this movie spent time in the real rainforests to help inspire their drawings. Notice I used the, the plural there, rainforests. Yeah, there's multiple. Apparently Which means five. Fern Gully's not the last one. Yeah, there's five of them, I'm actually. I'm just saying the film is lying to you. Mm -hmm. Anyway. The original lyrics to the movie song Toxic Love, performed by Tim Curry, had obvious sexual themes and implications, and various verses from the original song were cut or rewritten to make the song more appropriate for a family movie. Hmm. The original lyrics can still be found, but the song's full version was never used. Hmm. This is Robin Williams' first role in an animated movie. Mm -hmm. Later, he'd go on to voice Genie in Aladdin, Fender in Robots, Napoleon Cross in Everyone's Hero, and 
Lovelace the Rockhopper Penguin and Ramon the Adeli Penguin in both the Happy Feet films. Oh, okay. The movie was dubbed into Spanish entirely. Sorry, in Spain. It was dubbed into Spanish entirely by comedian Angel Garo, a single-handed feat that earned him entry into the Guinness Book of Records. Wait a minute. That's what I I had. I, I'm curious of this myself. He recorded all the lines. That's what it sounds like. Wow. I okay. want to hear his Krista. <laughs> one guy records the entire movie. Talk about a one-man show. Literally. That's like some audio, audio, audio books, audio book recorders Mm -hmm. do that. It's amazing. This sounds interesting. I'll I'll love to hear that someday. Robin Williams provided 14 hours worth of improvised lines for Batty Coda. Director Bill Croyer was so impressed with his voice work that he ended up tripling the screen time given to the character, which was originally only supposed to be an eight minute role. Wow. Can, Can we get that now, please? Sir Elton John's first involvement in an animated feature. He composed and performed the song Some Other World during that's, the credits. That's right, he did. Tim Curry's original voice recordings were so eerie and sinister that it made children cry during test screenings. Curry had to be called back in for some less intimidating retakes. Give us those! Come on! That sounds perfect! Man! And just to get you into some of the things that were happening around this time between uh robin williams and animation history yeah shortly after signing on to this film robin williams was approached about voicing the genie in aladdin mm-hmm. and accepted when jeffrey katzenberg then chairman of disney got wind of this he demanded that williams drop out of fern gully claiming he did not want williams in two competing animated films being released so close together to which williams angrily refused According to producer Wayne Young, Katzenberg went out of his way to sabotage Ferngully, such as taking over studios the production had rented by playing, by paying more, and in one case, attempting to buy a space to force them out of it. This is often cited as one of the main contributing factors in Robin Williams' well-publicized fallout with Disney. That makes sense. Because <laughs> I can makes... see, I can see him seeing this as a more important film than Aladdin. Yeah, because it was his first first animated film. This first one, and this is Fine. more of a come on, Katzenberg. I mean, Aladdin is just is in many ways just kind of good fun. Yeah. Well, this is an environmental movie. This is important. Yeah. Aladdin's just fun. I can see that being the thought process. I can see that. But, but also, it's, it's... <clears throat> Robin Williams was very, very at this time was very. uh pro not advertising to children yeah which is why when they kind of sold toys of genie he also got mad yeah and also though it was there was, that was part of his, his agreement contract. with aladdin is that yeah. he wouldn't sell toys they wouldn't sell toys and his his character's uh image on the posters wouldn't be a certain percentage like 15 percent but right. the entire posters it was just genie because that's he, genie is nine tenths of the film exactly that's no what offense. makes him, yeah that's such it, a good role yeah, because we were we, we were obviously we reviewed this film. So yeah, go back go back in the vault or or you know the the uh, the the podcast vault and go, go back there somewhere. Yeah, it's back there. Go back there and listen. It's a really good episode. Anyway, that's all I got. Okay. So what's your first like for this film? My first like it has beautiful. I'm talking beautiful backgrounds. Uh-huh. Beautiful beautiful background paintings. Uh, there again, be like this was a 
independent company outside of Disney or Warner Brothers or anything like that. It was certainly just they, they were doing a passion project and they put a lot of heart in this film. You can tell. Um, but the backgrounds are as they're 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 not Disney level backgrounds, granted, but they're beautifully done. Be like it's one of those where if you could get like a like a like a poster one of these and put on your wall, it'd be beautiful. Like definitely for like a studio, that'd be amazing. Uh definitely a red artner like I am. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, this was be like the backgrounds are amazing. They're beautiful. Like ev- like um, like every background because there's so much detail in every background. Like it's it's not like like Uber, like you can see every stump and every little nugget going on but it's beautifully done so yeah the backgrounds are amazing i'm gonna jump off of that one actually because i mean like you said this is a passion project yes and you can kind of tell that nearly every shot of the film oh yeah um the the backgrounds are beautiful the Mm -hmm. animation is beautiful um it's a very beautiful film yes and it's animation so yeah that's my first like also okay my second like would be Batty Coda. Batty Coda, there again, kind of going, dipping back into my, my childhood, my nostalgia for this film. Batty Coda was the, oh my gosh, this is a cool character. Like, oh my gosh, he's crazy, he's goofy, and you realize later he's Robin Williams. And it's just his his journey from being an experiment, which is always terrible, you don't experiment on animals, you don't experiment on people. He was a biology experiment. He was a biology experiment. I agree. I completely agree. Um, but yeah, just be like, I understand, you know, science is important, but don't harm animals in the process. Just saying. Uh, anyways, uh, that's my, I, I, animal wars. Um, nevermore. Um, there's not a raven in this. I, I know that. That'd be cool if there was, but there's no, are there ravens in Australia? There might be. You never know. Um, but, Betty Coda was like, he was just like, oh my gosh, wacky zany character that you instantly got drawn to. And I think Drew kind of applied to it. He's probably the most interesting character in this story. And I would agree with you. He's the most interesting character in this story that be like, you, I don't know if interesting is the word I'd use. Okay. It's just, he's probably the one that looks like he's having the most fun i agree with you i agree robin williams to an extent is, yeah robin williams is always the kind of person who gives 110 percent. yeah agreed to every role he does and so that translates here because you can tell mm-hmm. robin is having the time of his life mm-hmm. uh behind that mic and he's having a good time acting as this character yeah i just i feel it, i'm not saying everyone else was not you know giving their all yeah in this but some of them really some of it does kind of feel like they're holding back because they don't either don't know how to act to in as a voice actor yeah i agree and don't know how to have that energy or they just don't or or they're intentionally being held back by the director i don't know yeah who knows but batty coda is a character i think is a very interesting character because there again, you're dealing with an environmental story, which there again, environmentalism to to an extent. I'm not talking extremism. I'm mm-hmm. talking be like, yeah, let's not cut down all the trees. Let's not murder everything because the Bible doesn't tell that we are the 
uh, overseers of the world that we are to make sure it's not, you know, mucked up. And in mm -hmm. some ways we have done that in some capacities. Um, I'm not into climate change, but be like, just take care of the world. That's all I say. Um, take care of your world and the Lord will take care of us. Just saying. Um, being a good steward. Be, yeah, thank you. That's a better word. Being, being a good steward of, you know, what God has provided for us. So, yeah, Patty Coda, really great character. There again, this is Robin Williams' genesis into becoming the genie, the iconic character yeah. that he voiced in Aladdin. They are very similar characters. They are very similar characters because uh, Batty Coda does do impressions of popular characters or popular figures at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it reminds me of one and during the Aladdin recording that uh, someone runs into a room. It's like, oh, my gosh, he's, he's doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. Um, you know, Rob Williams during the recording of Genie. And uh, I'm, I guarantee they probably have the exact same thing. Oh my gosh, she's just doing this. Like, can we put this in here? No, we can't. Well, darn. But uh, how many hours did you say that uh, Rob Williams did? It was like, what, eight hours? Uh, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Where, where was that on in here? Mm-hmm. I know I said it. Yeah, you said it. I just, I just, I'm the, I think it was like eight, eight hours. Something like that. Oh, 14 hours. 14 hours. Okay. I was wrong. Sorry. I was hours. looking past it every time. That happens. So 14 hours of recording. So that would be amazing. Shop Factory, get on that. Give us special edition. Where Assuming you have access to those. Yeah, that is true. That, that can get mired up in legal and, uh, and maybe they don't have those masters anymore. You never know. That's true. That is true. Anyways, that's, that's the more likely thing. Is Shout Factor is really good at releasing stuff if they have it, and if they're legally allowed to. True, but yeah, Batty Coda. I always loved Batty Coda as a character, and uh, as an adult, I really enjoy his character. Uh, I'm not going to say he's the most fleshed out character. Uh, he's he's what he's probably. Well, he was only meant to be an eight, on screen for eight minutes. That is true. The, they flushed out his character a little so, more throughout the yeah. the course of the, the course of the movie. So I mean, they they flushed him out, but I mean, it's like they they were building off of almost nothing because he just has. I mean, he that probably was also one of those big lipped alligator moments, like Joan, like the Goana is mm -hmm. later. Agreed. It's like, oh my gosh, we love this performance. You got to give him more lines, mm -hmm. and you see that throughout uh, movie history where someone will give a performance. And I can remember it was a more recent something that it's like they loved their performance so much they gave them more and more and more and more lines yeah and uh, it just made the character more iconic i think it's what made this character more iconic than anything and uh there again it's the genesis to aladdin's genie mm -hmm. and uh, that's what if if we did not have batty koto we would not have I Gini. don't know if I'd go that far, but I've, I've heard it said like that. And I think I agree with it to an extent because that gave Robin Williams the, it may give him the inspiration, inspiration for doing all that. Yeah. Maybe I, I don't know what the original concept for uh genie's character was before mm -hmm. they got Robin Williams really into doing it. Well, far, far as I understand during the research for that episode, go check that out in your favorite podcast directory or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, our episode on uh, Aladdin. This, I, I think it was that I think someone did say that if it wasn't for his performance as Batty Coda, Robin Williams probably would have never done Genie. But there again, I might be wrong. 
I've and, been wrong before. Yeah, it's not it's not that big a deal. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. Uh Batty Coda, amazing character. I just I love his um spontaneity of split personality, like wrong channel. Love that. That was great. Mm-hmm. But uh I, I really enjoy the character of Batty Coda. What is your second like? We apparently are of similar mind tonight. Poor me. Because Batty Coda is probably one of the other things I like about this film. Mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, I think the issue is we don't really get a lot of it, and you can tell most of it was unplanned. Not that yeah, a lot of it was improvised. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's but I mean, the, the character was not intended to last more than eight minutes, and you can kind of tell. Yeah, because I mean, after you know his main scenes, he's just there commenting. Mm-hmm. Agreed. The scenes don't really involve him that he's in after that point. Yeah. So I mean, don't get me wrong. It's he's a, he's a great character. I, I like the character. Of course, he's, he is funny. But this is the same problem I think uh, I have with like Bartok. He's the same kind of character as Bartok in Ooh, Anastasia. Okay. okay. Where it's like this is a character who's there to kind of be comedic relief, but he's not gonna really do much because the story's not focused anywhere near what he is. I agree. I, I agree to an extent. That yes, he is more. He is very much a comic relief character. Uh, his goofy song is like, to me has always been kind of hysterical. But um, the baddie rap, the baddie rap, the baddie rap is kind of funny to me. But um, yeah, I agree. Be like, obviously, be like, it's it's that you know Bartok kind of situation where mm-hmm. he's just he's in the background. But I think Bartok as a character had a little more. Emphasis, Bar- Bartok's on- Bartok's character had a little bit more thought put into it and keeping him present in the story yeah it batty for the most part like i said after his main scene you can kind of tell he was kind of shoehorned into more into more scenes to so that they could keep having robin williams do stuff i agree i don't think a lot of that would have been he was he wasn't planned for most of the parts of the script and they didn't do much to rewrite to put him in they, they're still there don't get me wrong yeah, and they still so incorporated but it just feels like the some of those scenes that he's in could have took place without him in it, and there wouldn't be that much difference. Okay. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Now, don't I get me wrong. I like the character. I think Robin Williams does a great job. You can tell he's having the most fun on screen. Uh, but, I mean, he's... Yeah. Yeah. So, I'd be like to kind of go back a little bit with... Uh, um, Batty, you know, Batty's, you know, jur- his character arc. His character arc is a story... So when he we meet up with him and he entered he's he's uh introduces Zach and he's scared of Zach because he's human. Yeah. Obviously he has these these built-in uh I don't want to say triggers, but antennas. Antennas. He's got antennas. Literally got an antenna coming out of his head. Yeah. But uh his his encounter with humans have never been a good thing. So he's very wary of Zach and he's always be like, Yeah, I, I, I can arrange your I can arrange your demise very easily because he doesn't like him. Obviously, he's a human. Yeah. But over the course of the story, be like Bart. I want to call him Bartok now. Sorry, but uh, Batty Coda kind of gr- they gr- he grows on Zach, and uh, by when we um nah, 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 I can't talk. But uh, first, when Batty won't let won't won't let him fly on his back, won't ride on his back because he's human, and that that's you know kind of a. a no. I can see why he doesn't want him on his back. Yeah, obviously, because he's got all this built up yeah. problems he's, with humans. He, but 
by the end of it, it'd be like he's be like they they become friends. They yeah. become friends, and he's willing to sacrifice himself in order to achieve yeah. the goal. I'm not saying he doesn't have character develop. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm not saying that. It's just it sounds like I'm talking bad about it because it's this is technically my positives, and I'm. Yeah complaining about the character and how he doesn't get enough role yeah i, I think agree. that's what it comes down to he yeah, doesn't get enough role for how he's used yeah i agree because he's actually one of the better characters i think in the film i agree but uh i just wish we got i, I kind of wish we had more baddies when he comes yeah, right down agreed. to it agreed but i'm glad we got what we did since especially since he wasn't originally planned yeah or at least not like his role wasn't expanded be yeah. like wasn't originally expanded I mean, admittedly if they if they realized how good robin williams would be as a voice actor and how funny it was going to be enough to want to expand it and they didn't realize this until the recording session mm -hmm. there may not have been much they could do at that point probably so anyway yeah so that was your second that was my second so now we're your my third. third my third tim gurry is texas i'd be like there again like like batty he doesn't really have a whole lot be like he's like he's menacing in the background when you finally see him he is like from a kid perspective terrifying as a character uh i, I will go into my disagreements disagreements on hexes later dislikes dislikes thank you my dislikes later on the character but his overall overall menacing present throughout the film that he is uh uh spoken of in a reverent fear throughout the entire film uh and then we finally do see him who he is and what he's up to and um i mean like i i, I enjoy the um i enjoy the um overall dread of this character who he is and uh, there again, I'll get in my dislikes later. A whole lot about that character, but uh, yeah, Hexes. Especially he's voiced by Tim Curry. Tim Curry as a villain, a, a either in live action or voiced, is f menacing in a lot of ways. I, I don't think I've seen a film yet where he's not a a menacing villain in any movie yet. I might be wrong. Be like Drew may have watched one that was like, eh, it was okay. But have you? The only movie I think I've seen where he kind of was only had like a meh role was that sh very small role he had in uh, Hunt for Red October, but he gets killed early on, so he doesn't really have ch much chance to do anything. Who did he play in Red October? He was the um, political officer. Oh! On the Russian sub. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had a really short. Yeah. He <laughs> dies really quick. Really quick. Okay. Got it. Okay. Gotcha. 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 So he doesn't really have time to do anything. No, he kind of goes, snap, gone. It's like, <laughs> 10 minutes, and you're out. <laughs> but either or, okay, I got gotcha. you. Haven't seen the movie, but I know the character. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyways. So, yeah, Tim Curry as Toxic, or Hexus, as Hexus in this film, is a really menacing character in the background. And when he pops in the scene, like, yes, visually, he's very terrifying if you're a child. They're like, oh my gosh, this toxic dude is everywhere. It's kind of frightening. Mm -hmm. And definitely with, you know, toxic love and all these other elements, be like, it's it's got this very good in, um, atmosphere of dread that, oh mm -hmm. my gosh, this terror is coming back. And I, I, I enjoy those elements of the character. And I'll get to my dislikes in a minute. 
What's yours? I actually like the animation effects on the fairies when the I, fairy powers are being used. I agree. Uh, it does. It has. I, I call it the anime glow because anime is the first place I remember seeing it. Fair. But it's got that little uh, gel glow that sometimes it's behind. Sometimes you uh, behind the cell. Sometimes you can see the the power move through the cell, especially when they're uh, flying. I I, th- I thought that looked really nice. It was a great way to to show that kind of uh, lightning bug esque mm-hmm. um, look to it. Plus, I liked how you could kind of tell the difference between uh, the fairy magic and when um, uh, Zach mm-hmm. starts being able to feel the pain of the forest himself. Oh, yeah, but yeah, the yeah. colors are different because he's human, so it's yeah. a more it's his human magic, I guess. Yeah allowing him to feel that because it's his is red while the fairies are all blue yeah i, I thought that was interesting i well, thought they animated that very well well i, I think with, with although um, i think his was blue at the end of it yeah so. his was blue i think when uh krista touched the tree that had been like, yeah the pain cut, cut down that was more was pain but it's anyway it's more pain but uh yeah i totally get that It'd be like the effects in this movie are done very well definitely for a movie made in 1992 yeah 92 we kept saying 93 earlier yeah we kept saying 92 but it's 92 so it's you know, 21 I'm, years I'm old. Mistake. 31 but, um, years old. Yeah, anyway. 30 years old. Jeez, I feel old now. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. But um, but yeah, that that's awesome. That is really cool. I didn't I didn't think about that, but the that that and that style of animation there again, yeah. it's 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 celluloid, but it's done very well. Yeah, I I guess I, like I call it the anime glow because I mean the first place I saw it was in Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Z fair with their with their energy attacks and mm-hmm. this is the same technique yeah but done a lot more subtly because it's meant you know it's not meant to be energy mm-hmm. blast that's blowing people in half it's yeah. just showing the fairy glow yeah basically yeah but anyway yeah what's your first dislike my first dislike hex this is an underwhelming under underwhelming villain i'm gonna jump in on this go and i'm gonna it. go take it a little bit deeper uh yeah Go ahead. Tim Curry is criminally underused in this film. Oh, agreed. Agreed. But anyway, do your part and then I'll come in. My, 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 be like, as a kid, oh my gosh, terrifying villain. Oh, yeah. And as, as a kid, I was like, it was a little bit weird. So you have this menacing villain who has all this, um, allegedly, all this amazing power because he's toxic. He's, he's the, 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 the toxic that, you know, destroys the world or something like that. Be like his his like I said in my likes. Be like the mythos and the lore and the terror this character brings is really interesting. But when the character is actually shown, he doesn't really do anything. He literally just boasts and brags of it, like, "Oh, I'm going to destroy Ferngully and blah 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 blah." You know who he reminds me of? Who? Smoke from uh, Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. You're not kidding. You're not kidding. It's about that underwhelming. Yeah, because be like it's. It's because it's never explained why he wants to do this. Yeah, exactly. There's no explanation. He's just, I know I he's, about last he's the villain. That's I it. know I talked about last week that uh, I liked, I, I want to see more evil for evil sake villains. Yeah. He's not an evil for evil sake villain. He's hmm. just evil because he's evil. Yeah. There's literally not much more thought put into it than that. Yeah. It's like he is evil because he's the spirit of pollution. Yeah. It's like, what are you, anti-Captain Planet? Pretty much. Captain Pollution? Captain I Pollution. I think that's what the character's name was on that show. Yeah. When they had the evil, all the all the bad guys use their or the, uh, pollution to yeah, create the, 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 uh, their powers combined. Yeah, the opposite Captain Planet? Yeah. 
yeah but at the same time the, a character it's like you I, are stupid yeah ag- agreed it's like when like when he finally gets in the fern gully he's cutting down all the trees agreed not a great thing to cut down all the trees but yeah but um but like he he shows up he's menacing he's in the 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 leveler which i think the leveler design is very well done it is but yeah. um i like the design he's, of the he's so easily dispatched it's not even funny but like yeah the animation is great but he's so easily dispatched and there's yeah. there's there's nothing really like it's like oh my gosh he's gonna destroy everything but it's simply oh it's like oh we have the power within ourselves to do this and literally, it's all all it is is Zach goes in and turns the keys on the leveler. Yes, that's off. it. And I'm going like, and, and I remember thinking when I first saw, I was like, "Oh yeah, no, of course it's this easy. It's yeah. just a machine. It's not like he's magically powering the machine or yeah, anything. exactly. He's, he's, he's the machine's just on and he's feeding off of it. That's yeah. all this is. So of course, all you have to do is turn the machine off and it stops, and he no longer can eat off of it. Yeah, it's 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 just this idea that like he's he's built this character that is very powerful he's going to destroy everything but simply he's just using the leveler as his power source and when the key is simply turned off he goes uh-huh. poof and he uses the remaining energy of the truck the vehicle to make himself big and bad but now, then he's easily dispatched again now, granted had zach not been there yeah uh they still would have taken out that tree and it and the uh the fairies would not have been able to figure out how to shut it off. I agree with and you. And it would that would have been catastrophic, but because the human was there, yeah, exactly. Who know how human stuff works. Exactly. He was able to shut it off. I agree with you there. So I guess this is the first time where we've got human ex machina. I yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Human in the machine. Human in the machine. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Literally. But yeah, his be like it's the the sad underuse of Tim Curry as a villain. And, and not the, even a good villain. Not a very good villain at all. Like, yeah, he's menacing, but he really doesn't do much of anything outside of using other devices in order to do his plan. Yeah. But there's no be like, it's not, oh my gosh, I'm going to destroy everything. And there again, and it's a force. It can grow back. And he's the thing. It's it, his character is literally supposed to be an ooze. Yeah, literally an ooze. He's not Ivan ooze. No, he's not Ivan ooze. But and I get you that you want to keep him like liquid-ish, mm-hmm. yeah, to keep you know keep him a amorphous, mm-hmm. like an amorphous blob, yeah. But at the same time, I have seen liquid or amorphous blob-like characters who actually had a character design besides a slime, yeah. And I'm don't don't you could have done some cool things with this character where he could have pretended to be like the foreman or the owner. And was telling them in the in the in the rig, go and go to Fern Gully. I have questions as to how these guys knew where Fern Gully was. Yeah, exactly. How but, do they know Fern Gully? <laughs> it's like I thought that was the fairy name. Yeah, I think that was the actual name of the rainforest. Yeah, the humans would know. But he could they could have done some interesting things with the character. Mm-hmm. But they keep him so much of an amorphous blob. He's not really a, and he's a threat, but he's not a villain. He's like the personification of the symptom for lack of a better term that makes sense he's the ooze and he is feeding on it but he's all he does is suck on that stuff and tell them to drive the thing around and somehow it's implied he's polluting the rivers 
Which, but it doesn't explain how, unless yeah, it's because, just the spirit of pollution. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's a very, it's it's the problem I have with most of the '90s era environmentalist things is yeah. that pollution is the enemy. We must stop pollution. But because pollution is a number of things humans are doing to the environment, it's hard to show that within one character without it being ridiculous. Yeah, and, and all they did here to try and do it was we're going to make him. Uh, a blob he's going to be black oily sludge mm -hmm. and how are we going to make him an evil character we'll have tim curry voice him yeah there we go and tim curry doesn't even get a chance to no. do as much in here i would love to see the original cuts of those lines yes because oh that gosh. might make the villain creepier yeah he's but, creepy already in some capacity right. because it's tim curry but this take it was like hey you're here but it just sounds like somebody Gave you some melatonin there, Tim Curry. Tim Curry. I hear said Tim Carey, and that's no Tim one. Carey. But There's anyway, probably a Tim Carey somewhere. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like that's not. A, I, you know I, what yeah, I mean? I understand. I combined Jim Carrey and Tim Curry. Oh, okay, that that's the problem. That would be interesting. Anyway, but yeah, uh, toxic uh, Hexus as a villain is very under underwhelming. As like he's literally just the, like you said, the personification of you know pollutionism. Yeah and pollutionism i like that pollutionism but uh yeah just thing with the top of my head but uh yeah it's just like he's he's not be like you be like if you're building a character up like that you need but like when he shows up be like full tilt villain yeah like he, he's got this like maybe agenda against it except be like yeah he got trapped there here's the question because they're give us the snidely whiplash mustache twirl kind of a villain here Something like that. Just, yeah. And also, like, when uh, 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 Gaia, I can't remember her name. The What's her name? Which the, one? The, the, uh, the, the, the mother figure. Oh, Maggie? Maggie. Maggie. Yeah, Maggie. Maggie, Maggie Loon. Maggie Loon. Maggie. Whatever. Uh, yeah, she she's narrating the beginning. And like, oh, Hexus is this. Be like, never really describes what Hexus is. Except he's he's a plague upon the earth or something like that. And uh, oh, I, I sealed him away in a tree thousands of years ago. Like, okay, he's supposed to be toxic personified. Well, well like toxic that, thousands of years ago. I, I mean, that tree he's trapped in does look like an evil tree. So yeah, I mean, his evil has seeped into that tree. Yeah, I agree. And he, here's and maybe thing. that's the problem is he's all his evil got sucked into the tree, and now he's just hungry. Yeah, he 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 needs another source, yeah. and the leveler is a great source. Well, and I kind of get the feeling, especially with the name of his song being Toxic Love, mm -hmm. he's supposed to be a seducer of sorts, like seducing the men to do all this extra work. That would be uh, interesting. Into polluting because it's easier just to do this instead of, you know, following actual like, rules about yeah. stuff. I mean, okay. If he, if he was... Here's, a, here's the ahead. thing. Go ahead. The way he gets them to go to Fern Gully. Yeah. He hacks into their radio basically just push the and sit in inside why he talks to them in english yeah which is and weird. they do not question why this voice they can't have ever heard before yeah exactly is telling them not only to go to fern gully mm -hmm. but to work double shifts and overtime and they're happy about that because they're getting overtime i get that mm -hmm. but at the same time even in the 90s um, it seems like they would be making wanting to make sure that 
that was someone that was actually had the authority to tell them they could go do that. Exactly. Not because I mean, how do you know who's on that radio? They that Tim Curry never said who he was. No, he didn't say he was. He didn't even say he was the foreman. He says, "I want you to go to Fern Gully, work extra, work overtime, work double shifts, just get there by morning." And it's like, a, how do they know where Fern Gully is so yeah. they to go there? B, who are you? Mm-hmm. C, you are not all. They are going to get in tons of trouble because they thought they were getting overtime, and they're going to get back, and they're going to there's going to be they're a search, be sadly disappointed. <laughs> they're going to be a search team out there looking for this machine because they didn't report back on time. Right? You've got three missing people mm-hmm. in this, at least three. There's actually five actually because yeah, there's, there's two other people who are who, who are at the beginning, but they disappear once yeah. uh, ooze comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, once Curry's character comes out and Hexus, whatever his name is. Yeah, Hexus. And there, no one questions. No, any of this is like, dude. If I thought something was strange, I would bring it up. Mm-hmm. I would make a call into, uh, Their into a foreman. I, I yeah. would say, what I would, I just want to know, who are you to authorize this? Yeah. Here, here's here's a good idea. What if, if and that's just that's just a weird plot. It's like they accept this and assume this is all gonna work for them obviously yeah. these people don't have a union <laughs> apparently which i think i'm thinking uh aren't there a lot of these places require you to be union like outside of the u.s for a lot of these industrial jobs probably i know the u.s is not there but still yeah so here especially in in not third world countries i assume australia has got unions out the wazoo probably. i don't know probably probably i don't really know mm. so here's my idea that if a better idea for hexes would have probably been more like a devil advocate, um, uh, out, like a devil advocate. Yeah, like maybe he was messing with their minds. Say, yeah, this sounds like a good yeah, idea. Like temptation and yeah. money and that Tempt kind of stuff. Tempt them into doing all this stuff. And yeah, because it would make sense. Instead of saying you've got to go to Fern Gully and uh, and if you're in order to make it there, time just do double shifts. And it's like, why would they listen to you? But if you had gone in there and said, hey. Maybe it's a good idea to go to t- to go tear to go toward uh, move this thing towards Ferngully and just do double shifts until you get there. Or because the, you know you there. know that they're going to want to tear all this whole forest down eventually. Yeah. So it's not going to be overtime. you'll get overtime, you'll get bonus pay, mm-hmm. you're going to be doing good work for the company. Do something like this instead of go go destroy Ferngully. Why? Because I'm Tim Curry. <laughs> exactly. Because the idea of a devil um, allegory of his character yeah. would have been so much better. Because it'd be like he's tempting everybody, yeah. he's telling everybody and, all these wonderful, you know, half truths about everything. And I and thought that would have been an amazing idea for a don't, character. Don't get me wrong; he is yeah. a very slimy villain. Oh yeah, very slimy. But at the same time, he is dependent on those humans just doing this because they want to. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so that have uh, him possess the darn machine and, and kick them out, and then he can go take over Vern Gully. Why couldn't he do that? He's sludge. That is true. He is magic sludge. He has to be able to take over a sludge making machine to make it more powerful. Just do that. Yeah, well, in a, in a, in a way, he you does... still have to take down the whole thing, and you that still allow uh, Zach to go in there and turn off the keys to stop that the machine is true. because it would still have to be on for him to take over and run it, and maybe he. Maybe the guy doesn't can't control the ignition switch. Yeah, because it it would make more sense if 
be like obviously he's starting to in uh infect the machine and taking control of it where the guys were like hey i didn't do that or something like little simple little things like that would have made the story a whole lot more right. easy and then you get to this big reveal that he's actually become the machine and uh or he's He's taking full control of it, and you can't stop I, him. <laughs> I would feel better about being scared, getting scared at this movie as a kid if that's what happened. Oh yeah, but no, this villain is just like toxic love. I like the sludge. I like that the humans are giving me all this stuff to eat and making me more powerful. I'm thinking you are not powerful even with the sludge because you can't do cotton picking thing without the machine. Exactly. You are nothing. Yeah, you're you're. You don't even you don't even show us. You are supposed to be this big magic villain that the fairies barely stopped. Mm -hmm. You do not show that you are actually capable of what those no. stories said. No, that's true. It's, it's very uh, you are you are not worthy of the fear we saw in Maggie Loon's eyes. Yeah, when after Chris left and she looked out at that smoke, mm -hmm. you are not worthy of that fear. Yeah, agree. There, you are agree. just a, a blob. Yeah. It, and I feel sorry for Tim Curry for having to voice you. So, yeah, that, that is my first dislike is the lack of a word. Just, you know, he's it's not a good villain. Yeah. It, it's it's a good, ooh, big and bad character in the background pops up. Not really that great of a villain. And you have Tim Curry, great voice actor, just kind of underused. It's sad, pretty much. Really. It's sad, really. So, yeah, it's my first dislike. Technically, my first dislike, too. Mm. But I'm going to go ahead and jump in on the second dislike since we kind of talked that one out. We did. You're going to tell me that you have A, Tim Curry, B, Robin Williams, mm -hmm. C, Cheech and Chong. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't make a fun movie out of this for the good guys? This movie is so underbaked. That's the nicest word I can use for it. Okay. It's underbaked. It's got a lot of good ingredients, but the center is still gooey. Okay. It's it could have been excellent, but it's it, it feels like production on it was rushed. A lot of changes were made at the last minute. And all of these great performers outside of Robin Williams were not used very well to to their fullest extent. Good night. Cheech Marin does a better job as Bonsai in uh, Lion King mm -hmm. than he does as Stump in this. And the only reason I know he's Stump is because I wrote the name down. And I vaguely remember someone calling one of the other fairies Stump, mm -hmm. one of the one of the bratty teenager ones. Yeah, and I assume his friend was was the one played by Chong. I don't oh. remember, but it's like you've got these big name characters, big name actors. You've got, uh, and it just feels like you rushed the whole thing. All the songs in this are, for the most part, not useful in terms of storytelling. They right. they feel like, oh, this is kids, uh, Dis because Disney makes musicals for all their animated films, we've got to be a musical too. What musical are we going to be? Or is, is are these songs going to tie into the the musical no it's just we got to have musical parts because that's what people expect mm -hmm. okay so we'll have um some big name uh singer i can't remember the guy's name uh play uh a goana and have him talk about oh he's gonna eat you because uh that's what because that's what he does mm -hmm. and that's how we're and and we'll put we'll have uh zach's life be put in danger yeah and then we'll never see that character again no 
we'll have batty do a rap which i know you like the rap and i think yeah. it is good a good robin williams thing but in terms of its usefulness to the plot it has none yeah uh the love song and the one at the very beginning in the introductory song i can't remember their names yeah those work but because they are the only two songs i think that actually did work yeah because the because none of the other ones it, it it feels like I would have preferred them not have them at all. Okay. It's a, this is that pile of little things issues where it's like the movie for the most part is fine, but it's all these little things are adding up to things I don't to to it being not one nothing I want to come back to. Okay. Because like I said, it's underbaked. It's okay. still gooey in the center. The outside is cooked. Is cooked. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great things to see here. A lot of good, good stuff to to bite into. Mm-hmm. But once you start really getting into the story, it's like, ooh, what is this? This wasn't fin- this didn't finish cooking. Okay, I see that. So yeah, my second dislike is that this just the movie didn't get finished cooking. Okay. It, what's your second, second dislike? dislike? My second dislike. You said it a second ago, and I was like, "Ooh, good point." I want to get. I want to go on that. And then, for some reason, obviously, my little ADD brain went, "Ooh." Was it my talk about the songs? Was it my talk about uh, the care, the good actors being underused? I think it was. It was something to do with the songs the, around that. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me see if I can. You know. Yeah. Let me pull cut back the, into that. Yeah. Let's see if I can pull that into it. Um. Oh, what was it? Oh yeah, uh, Batty song. Batty song, yeah. uh, Batty rap. You said well, you liked it. I, I, I did like, like it. I did like, like it. I, it's funny, but at the same time, it's useless. I agree. It is kind of useless. It's fun. It does tell kind of a story of like what happened to Batty and so But he already explained that. He explained yeah. why why he did that. But the song itself. So the director himself said this is the first use of computer generated art. And I just lost a word computer um digitally digital coloring digital coloring in the film you can obviously huh yeah oh yeah i completely agree because last week we reviewed rescuers that under which was the first film is the cap system which was a digital coloring machine yes and i agree and by all technical accounts little mermaid did it before any of them in 89 with a couple of test scenes that that did make it into the film i agree i agree and um like this i'd be like it's it's what more defense to the director probably just more like first independent company you do that yeah but nuance the there's such a glaring difference a glaring difference between they're using the digital coloring method which they're probably using caps and some no goes, they're not using caps oh yeah that caps was strictly proprietary. Yeah, it was it was proprietary yeah but this would be a similar system that is essentially like caps but uh yeah because it would be like it would have been developed in, in like yeah, the late 80s like yeah, because Caps yeah. itself was developed by Pixar yeah. for Disney. Yeah. And I doubt they would have let that go out to other companies. I agree. So you have this scene where it's digitally colored. It's like it's it's one of the first, you know, first yeah. nuanced adventures into that. Disney did it first, and they're they're trying to copy Disney. Which at the point everybody's trying to copy Disney. Everyone always tries to copy yeah. Disney. So the the scene where especially it's, at this time period. Yeah. So you have the entire scene where Batty's doing his rap, and it's all digitally colored. You can see it very, mm-hmm. very plainly, very easily. And when it switches, it is so apparent. It's literally when Batty stops singing, 
and um, Krista stops him, you literally see the digital and traditional switch. And it's so jarring. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Because it goes from a different you to like different sheeting and the whole bit. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's like, yeah, it's cool. You use it for that scene, but then you transition back into traditional coloring and it's so just like jarring for like artistically. It's like, yeah, it's cool. You used it, but oh my gosh. But like it goes, Krista goes from one color palette to another. So does Batty and everything else in the scene just because they use the digital coloring. Mm -hmm. And it threw me for the biggest loop in the planet. I'm like, what in the world? Because the first time I saw it as an adult, when I watched it in the Blu-ray, didn't pay, didn't see it. Well, I saw there was a difference. And then I saw the second time. And I was like, okay, that's a little bit odd. So the, for the review, I was watching it a little closer. That's what you do as a reviewer. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Because like even I'll be like, I'll, I'll get into my third in a few minutes when you done your second. But oh, my third. Oh, your th you when you get into your third. But oh my gosh, that that threw me for the biggest freaking loop on the planet. I was like, really? <laughs> and like this is be like, did they digitally, you know, they they obviously with the the uh the Blu-ray, which I had the 30th anniversary, they cleaned things up significantly it wasn't so grainy but it's still grainy so grainy in some places but nuance but um yeah what the heck that, that would throw me for the biggest loop so yeah that's my that's my second like be like the transition between digital and traditional just was like jarring because it was the 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 color you was so off and like literally chris's hair went from a nice sharp black to mm -hmm. a, like a dull black and like whoa wait a minute Hold on. My artistic mind went, whoa. It's the difference between going to uh from pure black print uh print printed onto a cell. Exactly. Going from that to hand painted cell. Yes. There is a difference. A huge difference in color. And be like even you're like going from uh from one layer mm -hmm. of of ink mm -hmm. for every bit to multiple layers because of how it had to be shot yes oh my gosh it's like that was so jarring to me as, as an artist so i was like whoa i understand what you're doing but it was way too jarring so yeah that's my second like the the awkward the severely awkward transition so what's yours this is a dull film okay I have a rule. I brought it up a lot of times yes, during have. Bad Movie Month. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what the rule is? If you can't be interesting, if you can't be... If, if you, you can't, can't be good, be interesting. interesting. That's right. This movie is not that interesting. Okay. It's Fair. got some good shot, good things about it. It's got Agreed. a lot of great animation. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of great... Uh, it's got a good characters that I don't think are as utilized as well as they should be, but it's still good. But for the most part, if you're talking about the story... Mm -hmm. It is as dull as a sack of rocks. Mm. It is a, a banana rotting on the side of the road. It is just dull and uninteresting okay. for me. I this sounds like a cop out. I'll admit. Okay, fair. Because I was just like, oh yeah, this the whole. It's it's like saying it's it's like when we did Totoro and we said, oh yeah, the whole movie's good. That's just a like in and of itself. It's like I like that the movie exists. 
but and this is kind of the opposite of that where it's like i just wish this movie was not a thing because <laughs> it's just so it's got some like i said it's got some interesting parts but it's like for the most part it's like i could skip this one there's nothing here that there's nothing here that makes me would want to put it in bad movie month i'll put it that way but it's not that great a film okay and consequently i may be voting it rather low when we get to ratings gotcha so yeah it's a dull film okay my third and final dislike it is okay so we have princess mononoke uh i think last yes. year last year for mm, was, was, was that right? last year or two years ago i think it was two years ago okay two years ago then so two years ago that was the last of the big environmental ones that yeah. Miyazaki really did. That, that one, but like Miyazaki does movies very well. Oh, yeah. That's a beautiful film. Beautiful film. Be like, it's def- definitely environmentally, you mm-hmm. know, kind of talking points. This movie takes it and takes the, um, to to use more of the, 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 the crucifix hammer over your head. <laughs> You're saying it's beating the head, beating your head in with the, with the, with its point. Yes, it is. It is so preachy about the envir- yeah. environmental. Now, granted, I, I'm not. I'm not. Condu- I'm, I'm not saying that be like um, you know, the like saving the environment is a bad thing. I'm not saying that. Right. I, I am saying that this movie is so heavy-handed on its preaching on environmentalism that it literally. I mean, like I know it's the point of the movie. I totally get that. Yes, but it is so. Like just pound you over the head, and like as a kid, I got it. Yeah, but it's it's not one of those where be like, oh, oh let's let's like, put it into perspective a little bit. Yeah, last week we reviewed the rescuers down under. Yeah, it was very much about poaching. It was about poaching. It was talking about the evils of poaching. They yes. showed how evil poaching was. Yeah, agreed. And you want to know why it we liked that better than we liked this, even though it it was just as blatant in what it was trying to tell you of course it was subtle about yeah it it, yes it showed showed the effects but there was never a point where it's like it's hitting you upside the head with a two by four Mm -hmm. the closest you get is when you're in when they're in the cages Mm -hmm. with the with the with all the other animals and the koala's gang you'll get out of here as a leather wallet that you'll get out of here as a as a lovely lace purse it was funny yes it was and as a kid you don't quite catch it but it still hits home it's like yeah these animals are going to die for stupid reasons yeah that was the point of it's still an environmental story about not going out and killing things and hunting them to extinction there's a reason that uh george c scott's character whose name i just forgot Oh, uh, McLeach. McLeach. There's a reason he lives out in the desert where there's been already too much extraction of stuff with all the abandoned opal mines. Right. Agreed. This movie, it's like, oh, how do we know it's e- there's evil? Well, there's an evil spirit smog monster who's attached to this giant lumberjack eating machine, uh, lumberjack log eating machine. Yeah. And they are going, and it's essentially a like a kaiju for fairies okay that's attacking the town you've got to stop it otherwise the whole world's going to end because pollution is wrong right there's nothing about you didn't really make me not want to not pollute 
Right. Captain Planet did a better job of making me not want to pollute than Agreed. this film did. And Agreed. this, I think, was a little was not as subtle as Captain Planet's. No. Th- this was so or Captain uh, Planet was more subtle than this, is what yeah, I'm trying Captain to Planet say. Yeah, Captain Planet was so much more subtle because one, this they're is, grinding that entertainment. This is more This hey, is epic bad. Yeah, this is yeah, a, a great epic bad. In terms of how preachy it is. Yeah, very preachy. And be like when, when you come when you come at a film. Uh, either if that's a, I, I, I know I'd be like, I know people who love Christian films. I know that yeah. a lot of people we're friends but with them. We're friends with people who are very huge. Oh my gosh. goes to every Christian film there has ever yes. made. But a lot of these films are so heavy handed on what they're preaching about. And it's not simply just preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but no, it's preaching how evil, how evil uh, atheists are and how they want Mm -hmm. to destroy everything about your life or, um, or uh, be like, like only good people do this or only good people do this, that kind of thing. Like, that's one thing. Be like, if you're, if you're trying to tell a story about human need, the humans, uh, humanity's need for salvation through Christ, that's one thing. But when you're trying to get preachy about certain political topics, or something like that in your movie that is so overly handed, it's pounding you in the head. That's when the movie gets a little annoying. And this is where Fun Grelly goes. Mm-hmm. It, it takes this environmental, um, environmentalist slash uh, nature worship spirituality, uh, one with nature that everybody has the power. Be like, it, it's not He-Man and the Masters Universe, but like, we all have the power. It's like, no, this is not Shazam. <laughs> like, we, we do not have the power of the of the universe. Be like, yes, if we if you if we combine our powers together like Captain Planet, mm-hmm. but this movie just hits you over the head over and over and over and over again with it. And it's just like be like by the point, like reviewing this film, it was literally giving me a headache. Not figured it was giving me a headache with all, like it like over the top preaching about environmentalism. Mm-hmm. And like, again, we live in a modern world where climate change is the the big topic, which we're not here to talk about. But it, it has that ring of it has that ring of environmentalism. And that's what, you know, glo- you know, global warming, global cooling, whatever. But they are, we're not here to talk about politics. But this this movie is just so overhanded with it. And I'll be like, there again, we are here as stewards by God to take care of this planet. In some mm-hmm. cases, we have done some not so good things. Yeah. But it does not mean that humanity is absolutely horrendously terrible. And obviously, talk or um um Hexes is he's a toxin, so he comes from humanity. Because, because obviously the 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 planet would never do anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like the machine is terrible, and it's like yeah, like it's so overhanded, so overhandedly preaching over environmentalism, and that we should come together and use our our special powers because we're all one with the universe, or or uh, to like oh we we have this this universal truth whatever crap. I'm sorry, I might get a little preachy here. I think, I think you're reading a lot into this that I didn't I, see I, into this I, film. I am, I am, I know I am. But uh, 
it's like sorry i've been watching a lot of theological stuff right now but but um it's it is that sounded like a lighter <laughs> but it wasn't a lighter but it was just this movie is so preachy it'll be like there's one thing if you're preaching a, like a message and you're not like captain planning you're doing something that's cool mm -hmm. but you're trying to teach kids something good that maybe they should learn not pound you over the head figuratively to where it hurts this is where this movie fails it is way too overhanded and side note the fact that hexus got trapped in another tree inside inside the uh i want to call it the devastator but it's not devastator whatever this machine's called whatever the stupid machine's called um hexus is not gone you just trapped him again in a tree. Yeah. That does not mean the company who owns this big machine is going to come out here yeah. and dig their machine out and release hexes again. That's what the that's what the sequel should have been. Well, but it's I just, think it's the so idea is that Zach is going to somehow go back and stop people from polluting and not tearing down the rainforest. It's like he's just one guy who literally left the job and the company is not going to listen to him because profits. Yeah, exactly. So this, this idea that we're like, oh, we stopped Texas. We stopped Texas just with the power of the forest and the power within. No, you didn't. You literally did the exact same thing Maggie did a thousand years you ago. just delayed him. You, you just delayed him again. You did not destroy him. Because if you would have said, well, I would destroy pollution, would have been X, Y, Z. That'd have been great. But no, it's well, not. I mean, like, it's not like they could have killed him because I think that takes away from part of the point of his character. That is, that is true. Because pollution's not going to go away till we stop polluting. That is true. That is so true. And so at least they get that part of it. But yeah. at the same time, how does locking him in a tree keep him from polluting? <laughs> because he's still got the machine underneath him. Just they did say they trapped him in a tree. They There's no him. ceiling. There's no magic seal put on this. It's just yeah. somehow the tree grew up through him and. That was it. Yeah, it's that like, was it. So, I mean, he's not like under some sh magic shield to keep yeah. him there. And there's, there's, not, there's also magic sacrifice. Your magic is dumb. Your magic is dumb. That's agree. part of the issue here. Your magic is, is dumb. dumb. Put some more work into your magic, people. You can't yep. just say, oh, it's magic. It's fairy magic. That's all you need to know. It's powered by the, the magic of love and goodness and blah 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 it's like this is not the last freaking unicorn no it's not no it's not you've got to give me something decent to work on to explain how your magic is stopping him from coming out of this tree yeah because otherwise what's all stopping you it's kind of the crap and besides that here's a dumb question that i just thought of okay what's your dumb question why is fern gully so far away from hexus's tree to begin with if they're trying to keep an eye on it that is true. Because Maggie obviously knew where it was. Maggie she knew where it was. She doesn't tell anybody. She doesn't tell anybody. She's always, she she never hadn't gotten around to telling her uh, apprentice, apprentice yet. And it's like you get the feeling that they are, they are in charge of that whole forest, but at the same time, they act like Ferngully is the forest, which is only in this one spot. Mm -hmm. But it's still like the whole forest and none of you knew this thing was in the area until krista happened to see a smoke in the sky mm -hmm. you get the feeling that they've been doing this work for months mm -hmm. yeah you're telling me you just now notice it's there and it didn't occur to anyone to say oh hey 
maybe we should keep a lookout at the obvious evil tree to keep the obviously evil creature from mm. getting out. Exactly. None of this thought to cross your mind. Yeah. And by all that sense, why do there appear to be only about 15 fairies that live in this community? It's a small community. I get that it's a small community. But I would say 15. Prob- there's probably a couple okay. hundred, maybe. I didn't see a couple hundred. Okay. The most we see, okay, there is more than 15. I'll okay. grant you. Okay, fair. You go, I, I'll give you that simply because of the scene where they're all s- spinning around in that fairy tornado thing while, mm. while Maggie Loon sacrifices herself somehow. Yeah. I'll give you that much. Fair. There's more than 15. So there may be 100, maybe okay. 150. But at the mm. same time, why do they only live in this one area why are they not spread out over the course of the entire rainforest why is this what, one what spot the only place where there is anybody yeah that makes sense it would be one thing if their forces were so devastated from when hexes attacked a thousand years ago that they're just now getting back to these levels and thankfully the rain the humans haven't gotten this far into mm-hmm. where this rainforest is I can maybe see that, but at the same time, it's like you never said that. You just made it sound like, oh, there's it's the last magical rainforest. It's a magical place. That's why it's special. Mm-hmm. Also, and humanity has despite the fact, it. yeah, humanity, despite the fact, humanity has not ever been back there. Humanity knows where it is yeah. because they didn't have to give directions to Tweedledee and Tweedledum in the in the yeah lumberjack machine. Oh, oh, we know where Ferngirl is. It's like, it could have been like, oh, here's GPSs. Be like, here's a GPS yes. system. You could have said, hey, take a left, go straight that direction to the big, giant, obvious uh, rainforest trees. Yeah. But no, no, that's not what you did. No. No. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Let's go ahead and rate this thing and move yeah. on yeah, because move on. We're, we're getting we're getting late here. Long in the tooth. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm giving this a six. Giving you a six. Okay. I just don't like this film that much. Like I said, it's not fair. bad enough. I would fare. I want to rate it below six, mm-hmm. but I'm not returning to this, and I still consider six a fail. Okay. So yeah. Uh I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a seven and be like, there's a lot of really good stuff about this film, but like overall story and like there again, it's a children's film. And that's no excuse. There's there's no excuse with that, but be like, you gotta understand, be like. And I'm trying to justify everything. I'm trying not to, but like the, the story's weak, the villain's weak, be like, it's got interesting points here and there as a story. Uh, I've always, I've loved this film as a child, but I think if the child me was rating this, I would have probably gave it a nine, but as an adult, as a serious reviewer, uh, I'm giving it a seven at least be like, I'm almost, almost floating between a set 6.5 and seven. So just give it a seven in general. Uh, it's, it's worth a watch. It's going to pound you over the head. It's got great animation. Uh, it's environmental story is going to beat you over the head. Uh, and it's, it's not be like there. It's not very well fleshed out as a story and your villains extremely underwhelm underwhelming, but I'm giving it a seven. Next week, we have a special episode. Mm -hmm. As you know, the last Friday, Mm-hmm. Of every month, every month, we are doing either a cellcast rewind, mm-hmm. 
where we look at the previous movies, or we're doing the Cell Cast Plus, which is where we're actually going to be looking at some live action movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did put it up for a vote. Mm-hmm. Y'all voted for Glass Onion, A Knives Out Tale. Yes. A Knives Out Mystery. Yeah, Knives Out Mystery. That's that's the subtitle. It's on Netflix. So go if you if you're interested, go watch it there before next week. Mm-hmm. And I believe we may have a special guest. We may have special guests coming on. Kind of kind of a reunion in a way. We bet you're dying to watch. Yeah, dying to, to quote watch. another movie. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Uh, stay tuned for that. Oh, so we'll be reviewing Glass on You next week. Uh, we're gonna jump into the intermission right quick, and then we're gonna get into what we've been watching, news, and of course, X Men. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Sunny and Brave, where each week hosts Chris Cowan of the Babylon Bee and Nate Henderson of some boring budgeting job confess their privilege, spotlight stunning social media posts, and fabricate outrage, all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Melanie Dubois. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. All right, Jacob, I've got a question for you. Okay. What have you been watching? All right, so what have I been watching? Quite a bit, actually. Oh, you actually watched something this week. Yes, actually a lot, actually. Kind of digging back into my childhood with a few of these. Well, actually one, I think most of them I did not watch as a child. Uh, so, uh, let's see. First starting off, because uh, there again, me being a child of the 90s, uh, Image Comics was a huge thing. I didn't read Image, but... I obviously remember it, and I've always been, been a huge fan of Jim Lee. And uh, there was no. a, a title, yeah. <laughs> so there was there was this title he did was called Wildcats, <laughs> and so events at some point it became an animated series. So I watched Jim Lee's Wildcats episode one. It wasn't very good. <laughs> Let's be honest, it wasn't. It was very early nineties. Oh, you're lead, your lead into that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I watched the Wildcats. It was this great comic book put out by Jim Lee. I watched the first episode. It's not any good. <laughs> well, let's just say I, I I never read the comic. I'd be like, I like the art because obviously I'm an art nerd. Right, right. But uh, I was like, this is the story? They made a cartoon out of this? Okay, this is kind of dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, I watched that. It's free to go watch on YouTube. Uh, I'd be like, I watched it. I was like, nah, not for me. So and then I watched something that I had only heard of because I like following toy collectors on YouTube. So they kept talking about this cowboy, uh, not cowboys, but um, cowboys and Musa. That's another one. I didn't watch that yeah. one. Yeah, but uh, that's a Cadillacs thing. and dinosaurs. This was a show that came out in the like early nineties. Never heard of it until like a couple of years ago. Listening to uh, toy collectors 
talk about it. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is a cool show. It had a really cool toy line because apparently it's humanity's kind of fallen to the wayside after a nuclear war, whatever. And uh, there's some technology, but it's people based in tribes and there's dinosaurs. But uh, so yeah, it's it's a guy who drives around in a Cadillac and protects other villages uh, through you know negotiations and kind of stuff and protects them from the dinosaurs. And apparently he has a pet dinosaur. So, because of course, of course. And so I, I I watched it. I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. I was impressed. I was like, wow, where was this in my where was this in my childhood? Oh yeah, probably on the th- none of the three channels I had as a child. Right. But uh, so yeah, I watched that. And then a, a show I did watch as a child, Biker Mice from Mars. <laughs> of all the things. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. So Biker Mice from Mars was the show that I... This is one of those I know of. Yeah. I've never watched. Oh, okay. I remember watching Biker Mice from Mars as a child. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Definitely the uh, the the mouse with the, uh, the cybernetic arm. I always thought that was really cool. And there's a lot of inspiration with my art with that. But uh, I watched the first episode. I'm like, it's definitely like it's got the Captain Planet kind of thing, environmentalist. Uh, some evil aliens have invaded Earth, and they're disguising themselves as human and taking human resources back to their mm-hmm. their planet Plundar, or whatever it is. Uh, yes, that's a Thundercats reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, the biker mice they 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 crash land on Earth, and they they find their mission to save the planet from these evil uh, lizard characters. So it's an interesting story. It's very '90s, like extremely '90s, <laughs> but uh, it was fun. And then, uh, let me think, I finished Toradora on Netflix. Hmm. That was something. <laughs> the, the, the first arc of this show was very good because it's teenage drama. It's uh, people falling in love with each other, but they don't know they're in love with each other. Blah, 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 blah. And I think some over some ruminating over the story it makes more sense now but the first i'll be like i get from the last three episodes they're like what the crap are you doing because it's finally our two characters spoiler alert three two one our main characters are actually in love with each other surprise surprise no really did did you did you finish this no i only watched three episodes oh okay i'll be like it it gets better i can tell yeah it gets better it gets better, but the three the the last three episodes are like, what the frack is going on? Because it's like the the three characters like one the animation style drops in like the second half of the season, and it's like, what in the world's going on? But uh, the, it picks up here and there at the end. But uh, the ending is so weird. It's like our main characters they are in spoiler alert. These characters who start, begin to realize they are in love with each other, they're going these are teenagers. Be like, you know, teenage love. It's fleeting sometimes. Um, so these characters are in love. And then all of a sudden be like a mother character who came out of nowhere. She's only mentioned once is berating one of the characters of how terrible she is. And then his mother shows up and how terrible he is because he's doing this. And they kind of run away because they realize they're in love with each other. So they're going to elope and all this stupid stuff. I'm like, understand, but like, okay, logically from a teenage perspective, Okay, understand that, but realize the situation isn't as bad. And then it's 
it's such a weird ending. And I, I don't want to spoil the end for you, but I'm talking the end end of the show. It's like, oh, and then like one of our characters disappears. We don't see her again until the end credits. And everyone's going to be like, oh, she's going to be within our hearts. Oh, she did this for a good reason. Really? If you watch the show, if you know what I'm talking about, you're like, what the frick? <laughs> so, yeah, I finished Toradora. It was a little underwhelming for the for its conclusion. It was interesting. It was an interesting story. But the ending was like, what the fudge? So, yeah, I finished that. I also finished something else. The Hunt for the Red October. That's a good book. Oh, the book. The book. I was like, you just said earlier you've never seen the movie. No, no. I'll be like, I, I need to watch the movie. But the book, oh, my gosh, that's so good. I finished it. Uh, <coughs> yeah, highly recommending uh, Tom Clancy's The Hunt for the Red October. Very good. Very, very good uh, book. Um, definitely if you like, you know, spies and it, like it's by the end of the book, I am convinced. I'm not convinced, but I want a replica of a nuclear, a uh, nuclear vessel, not a nuclear vessel. <laughs> I'm not, a I'm Russian. not Chekhov. <laughs> you want a Russian sub? No, a, a Russian sub with uh, a caterpillar drive. It's not a, anyways. That's I'm quoting the movie. Yeah, you are kind of yeah, very it's, bad Russian accent. Yeah, but in the book, it's not a caliber. It's, I think it's it's different than a caterpillar drive. They call it a caterpillar drive in the movie. Okay, but but uh, it's 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 good. And then there was a part of me I really want a replica of a a uh, Russian nuclear launch key because I'd be like, for me, I've got this weird idea in my head. So I looked it up. It's just this little thing the it's, it's interesting but the thing be like there's there's a line which uh jack ryan says it's like it's like he pulls out the the nuclear key it's like yeah i have something in my hand that could kill 80 million people in an instant i was like whoa that is yeah incredible. i ain't trusting you with that no <laughs> of course not of course not but i, I found that fascinating it's like wow that was incredible that was an incredible book if you haven't read it go watch, go read it and eventually I'm going to wind up watching the movie because I think I own it. I think there again, I bought a lot of movies. I don't know what I have. That's sad, isn't it? So, first world problems. Yeah, first world problems. So, um, and then there was, uh, so I've talked about this show extensively very early. I think last two years, last year, uh, Netflix's Masters of the Universe Revelation. It's, it's, you know, there's, it's so polarizing. It's not even funny by the show and so i decided to be like you know what be like i liked mark campbell's voice as skeletor i thought it was fantastic and so i just be like i went back and watched the first episode i was like this is still good i really enjoy it now granted there's probably a lot of people out who hate this show to death oh there's people who hate stuff just because they want to hate stuff exactly like me skeletor Oddly enough, the uh, the the original voice. I'll actor, get you, He Man, and your little dog too. You mean cat? Whatever. <laughs> Cringer. <laughs> Go back and listen to that thing from our first year. Oh my year. gosh! Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Castle Grayskull. Meanwhile, Castle Grayskull. Oh that is gosh. the stupidest we've ever been on this camp. Oh my gosh! Record. Yes. Like that. That was so. That was so priceless. Yes. Go listen to that. I, I think it would be 
kind of cool if we went back and revisited. We it could something. not do that. Was lightning in a bottle? No, no, no. I'm not saying that, but we'll talk about it later. But, um, but uh, I really enjoy that series. I'm hoping. I think they're in process of working on a, a sequel series. Might be a little shorter, but yeah. So watch that and also review a couple of episodes. I don't know if we need to talk about that in the air or not. For a certain lizard. Big lizard? Uh, not yet. Okay. So, yeah. Watch something. Can't really talk about it right now. I mean, I talked about watching Godzilla Monster Wars last week, so... That's true. Yeah. You can talk about that. Yeah, that's but... true. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, I watched uh, uh, Godzilla the series. Uh, there again, I, I remember watching it when it first came out. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> and so, I understand, I, I understand some people really enjoy this series. I understand that. You're and, not one of them? Um, okay. more on that when we're on another podcast yeah another on a podcast but i thought the stories were interesting let's just say that so yeah that's all i've been watching and listening going over the things i have been watching first mm. that you already know about because i've been slowly working on them mm -hmm. car uh, geki sentai car ranger that's that show is I, i'm starting to get to where it's just fun you know yeah it's it's goofy i know it's going to get goofy there are elements of an ongoing story right but for the most part it's just goofy fun yeah you know that's that's all and that's all i really want out of this series right uh also uh man watching mandalorian season three aka grogu and friends season four uh, so just just a quick side note before we started we went yeah on I, I showed him the clip of uh jedi master ahmed best i was, I was actually he has an official name i guess he's he uh because this character actually has appeared before like in like kids educational stuff oh. and they officially added him into i just don't remember the character's name oh, okay but ahmed best plays him there yeah so i was like when, when he told me this because they're gonna i am not caught up misa with Jar Binks. misa want to be your friend right Misa gonna save progo from the jedi temple at order 66 <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. So this is the only time you're ever going to No, I may have to do Jar Jar later. Yeah. You can probably do Jar Jar later. But like, eventually we will get to the Clone Wars. Eventually. Oh, I already have the Clone Wars episodes planned out. Wow. So uh, now that I've actually gone through and watched all seven seasons, uh, yeah, this is a good show. Mm -hmm. So, especially like, the last four episodes. Mm hmm. The Siege of Mandalore. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. You're, you're about to tell me you haven't watched this. I yet, haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I, I think I haven't watched it. it like, I have no room to talk because I only saw it last week. But I think I, I think I watched it. I may have. I don't remember. There was a it's point. Been a while. There was but, the the great part about the Siege of Mandalore since it takes place at the exact same time as Revenge of the Sith does. Yeah. They, they go ahead and tell you. Oh yeah. By the way, this is happening over here. Mm -hmm. be aware mm -hmm. and so there's a point going into the third episode where you can cut the tension with a knife oh, okay. it is that thick mm. and it's like when are we going to hear palpatine say those three little words mm. that we in a way don't want him to say with these characters because that's because that's the thing yeah execute order 66 yeah is a 
traumatic thing within the context of episode three of Avengers yes, Assemble. Agreed. It's a lot more when you know half the characters. That is true. That are going to now fall into us, including a one Commander Rex. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this whole thing. We've got I, spoilers if you've not watched this because I got to get into this a little bit. It's one thing you've got Maul locked, Darth Maul locked down in a containment unit that will that's designed to hold Jedi because mm-hmm. of course the Mandalorians would have one of those because they course. fought Jedi in the past. Yeah, um, and most of their stuff is designed for attacking and defending against Jedi. Um, so you've got Darth Maul locked up in this thing in, in the back of this. You've got you've just left Mandalore with all you know Bo-Katan and all them all them mm-hmm. back there. You know, you just saw you get you see this quick flashback because Ahsoka gets a vision mm-hmm. of the events that are going on in the Emperor's office. Okay, you know what I mean. Yeah. She gets a quick vision. We hear some audio from that. Okay. And it's like, and I'm sitting there watching this going, when's it going to happen? When's it? Oh, oh no, it's going to be this part where there's so many, uh, so, so many uh, clone troopers on this platform that right where they can get her. This is like the worst part. Oh no, no, she gets on the ship. It's fine. Okay. When's it going to happen? When's it going to, okay. We're in space. Is this going to going to do it? No, 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 no. We're going to wait till we get into hyperspace and then, execute order 66 and the thing is it's at the most anticlimactic point yeah it's like the tension draw is right when the tension dips it's like he feels like you should be safe yeah and then almost as if it's just this really we're running just as ahsoka's entering the room where rex is getting his report you know from the from coruscant Mm mm-hmm just as she opens the door, you hear "Execute Order 66," and I'm going, <laughs> "What the crap's gonna happen now?" And then the next hour, "Good Night" is so much. I, I, I don't want to spoil what happens. Yeah, I'm just gonna say there's a point at, at the very end. Bear, bear in mind, we saw Anakin and Obi Wan. At the very beginning of this, okay, just long enough for you go. Oh yeah, here's the stars of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. By the way, they're now going to leave and go save Palpatine from General Grievous. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to see them the rest of the episode. You're just going to hear reports every now and then. Oh, you get a little hologram of Obi Wan Kenobi at one point, but you're not seeing Anakin, yeah, ever again in this show. And you think that's where it's going until. Not to spoil anything, but let's just say we are at a, on a planet at one point that's now covered in snow. Oh, it's not Hoth. Okay, because we saw how why we know why they're on this planet because they're coming across the graves of all these clone troopers. Mm. And oh, I've heard of this. Hear, scene. I've heard of this scene. You, they don't even you, you hear this. Oh, you went, oh, he's here. <laughs> it's the first time we've heard it in the series. He's here. I mean, it's not the first time we've no, heard it, no, there's no, a couple no. other times yeah. when it's epic foreshadowing. But it's like, but you get that. There's no, you, he doesn't act. The Anakin actor is not voicing this, doesn't voice Darth Vader in this scene. Because yeah. Darth Vader doesn't say anything. It's all done in silence. Yeah. Except for sound effects. And there's this point where it's like just in the animation of this character moving, you see everything going through Anakin's head. Yeah. Without them showing anything. Just in the animation of the character 
walking through, looking at what's going on, seeing a lightsaber on the ground, mm-hmm. and you can just feel everything Anakin's going through, especially if you know what happened on Coruscant. Yeah. You're going, oh, wow, this is so good. Now I'm going to watch the Bad Batch. <laughs> what, what is it, Rebels? Rebels Bad Batch is the next one chronologically because oh. literally Bad Batch starts off during Order 66. Oh. Okay. Because you've got to deal with the okay, fact Bad that... Bad Batch than the Rebels. Yeah, the Bad Batch, because uh, they're clone troopers. Yeah. They have to go through Order 66 also. And while they hear the, the order, mm-hmm. none of them actually get affected by it. Interesting. Well, one does. The obviously evil-looking clone. Okay. But, and and so most of that is how they are living now in this world where they're not wanted and are now technically fugitives. Hmm. It's a good show. Okay. Gotcha. Looking more forward to watching that. So there's two shows right there I've watched this week. Okay. Um, so just just more catch up. Be like there again. I have not finished the Clone Wars. I have not finished. I haven't even seen anything from Bad Batch. I've seen a little bit of Rebels. I have obviously seen season one and two of The Mandalorian. I have not seen the Book of Boba Fett, and obviously I am not caught up with season three of Mando. So that's a lot of Star Wars. I do not have all the information for it. And so, Andor, or huh? Andor. You oh, Andor. I haven't seen Andor. I haven't watched Andor yet either, but I've heard it's good. Okay. Continue. Backing up where I was. Um, see, I've watched Mando season three. I finished Clone Wars. I've started Bad Batch. Watched Car Ranger. <laughs> trying to catch up mm-hmm. where I am. Right. Uh, I actually watched some more Ultraman this week. Okay. Because, well, here's the thing. The reason I'm watching Car Ranger is probably not going to come up until mid-May. I'm guessing. You want to be prepped. I want to be prepped, but the thing is, I realize I'm halfway through the series. Yeah. At the beginning of April, I got some time. Yeah. I can slow down a bit because if I keep going, I'm going to be done in three weeks, in two right. weeks. Right. So I'm going to, I'm, I decided to slow down and watch some Ultraman, a tokusatsu of a different flavor, basically. Right. right. And I've realized that between Common Rider, Super Sentai, and Ultraman, I can't pick one. That's okay. better than the others. They're all I like them all for different reasons. Okay. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Other than that, just a bunch of weird random YouTube videos. Fair. Fair. That's about it. Okay. So Jacob. What do we got in the news? Okay. Good night. The cell cast news with your host Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Neelit. And I'm actually curious if you've got one I found. Okay. Well, the only one the only one I found was that Crunchyroll announced today that the English language dub cast... This was the one I had. That's what I thought. Because <laughs> I, I knew you would be the like... The minute you said Crunchyroll, it's like, I already know what you're talking about. <laughs> so like, be like... New Makoto Shintai movie. Makoto Shintai, thank you. Thank you, because it'd be like... It's going to be in theaters on April 14th. 
the week after Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Be like, that's I, I love your enthusiasm about this film. And uh there again, we have reviewed Makoto Shin Shinkai. We reviewed two other Makoto Shinkai we films being your, your name, name and Weathering with, with you. you, which are both very good films. And now we've got was it Su Suzame? Suzame, yeah. Yeah. Suzume. 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 Yeah. So uh Mashota Makoto. Makoto Shinkai. I am terrible with my own language. I'm terrible with other languages. Uh Makoto Shinkai's animated feature Suzumo? Suzumi? Suzumi? Suzume. Suzume. Yeah, Suzume. Uh set to debut in theaters in Australia on April. 13th in the United States, Canada, UK, and Ireland on April 14th. The dub is playing in Tyler. Ooh, reaction, anybody? <laughs> and it's playing in IMAX. Ooh. Review. <laughs> to yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I knew I could say those couple special words and you'd be on board. Yes, reaction to this movie will be coming. One way or, or another. another. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we might be skipping. We may have to skip an episode and come back. Maybe. Because we'll, we'll, with our current schedule, we the only time we have we can to react to films is on an episode where we have to review it, review another other film. So we'll figure it out. Yeah, either like we'll we'll do one on like a Saturday or something like that. Something, Which, yeah. Something like that. I guess I I, I get I'm pretty sure my my wonderful, lovely girlfriend will understand. I'd be curious if she'd sit through one of these with you. She probably sit through Mario. She likes Mario. No, no, no. I mean, like I'm a one, like a Makoto Shinkai. I have no idea. It'd be interesting. I don't, I, don't, I don't think she'd like weathering with you, to be honest, because I don't think she'd like how it ends. Fair, <laughs> but hey, because I don't know? like how it ends, I just find the film beautiful. <laughs> Agreed. Hey, we we can figure it out. We can figure it out, but. Yeah, uh, definitely we were reviewing uh, this movie. Or not reviewing, but doing your reaction to at some point. But it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Was there anything else in the news that you could That's think of? That's the only thing I had. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, literally, big one. literally, you want to know when I found it out? What? While you were sitting there waxing poetically about what you didn't like about Tim Curry's performance. Yes. I was just listening to you. This is going good. I was just double checking through Facebook. And I just come across this ad of this girl stepping through a door and I see, oh, it's Crunchyroll. This isn't a right weird news thing. April 14th! <laughs> I thought we still had months to go on this. I thought so too. Good night. I saw I saw that trailer. I was like, oh my gosh, it's that movie. <laughs> I still have no idea what it's about. And then what's great is I don't have to know what this is about to know. It's I want to see be it. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a beautifully animated film either way. And I... And it's the art nerd in me. It's like, oh my gosh, I want to go see this film. That's, that's the thing. I saw your name because people wouldn't shut up about it. Yeah. In, in a group. Yeah. And that's what got me into this. Yeah. And then we getting ready to do weathering with you mm. right before COVID hit. That's true. And I all, all I knew about that movie was the name because like weathering with you. So the weather's going to be involved. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't really need to know the rest of it because I know it's going to be a pretty film anyway. Mm -hmm. This one, I don't know what a Suzumi is. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what this film's about, other it's than something about a girl, there's a girl a going through a door, and there's a weird cat like creature. Hmm. So, yeah, interesting. You yes. got me hook, line, and sinker. 
you had me at April 14th. <laughs> so yeah, we will be doing our reactions to that at uh, a later date. At a later date. So yes. We, we'll get that figured out. Yeah, but isn't it a limited run in theaters? Yeah, I think so. But it looks like it's a here, let me look it up because I, I, I could see the, uh, the course. I think it's a couple weeks actually. Okay. Or a couple days. Wow, that's it's, that's a it's change. crunchy roll, aka Funimation. Yeah. AKA, remember how long Superhero was in theaters compared to that's right. it, it's, Fathom it, events? It's not Fathom events. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. It's actually going to be in theaters. Sony is putting it in a theater because Sony owns Crunchyroll. So, okay, so we have time to actually go yes, watch we have it. Some time. We have it's, some time. It's not, you know, a two to three day limit. It may not be in the uh, IMAX theater that long, but yeah. I don't even know if it's going to be in the IMAX theater at our local theater, but yeah. Anyway, all right. So yeah, that's all we have for the news. And but like, unless you guys know something else we don't know, comment down below. Indeed. So why don't we go ahead and talk about some X Men? Previously on X. Meet a sulky, overbulky, kind of hulky superhero. Amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. fugitives parts one and two came out on december 11th and december 18th 1993 respectively directed by larry houston and written by michael edens for part one and elliot s Magan for part two in these episodes bishop returns from the future to again attempt to fix his world but this time his actions lead up to a far greater tragedy occurring to stabilize his own timeline cable comes to the present to prevent bishop from saving mutant kind from apocalypse's plague Guest cast for this one, we got Philip Philip Atkin as Bishop, Lawrence Bain as Cable, John Colicos as Apocalypse, John Stalker as Graydon Creed, Senior, and Mark Strange as Forge. Getting into the trivia for this one, we've got uh, Wolverine refers to Bishop as Old Scarface mm -hmm. during the anti-mutant mob attack. The M on Bishop's face is actually a tattoo to identify him as a mutant in the future. Mm-hmm. The robots Cable is fighting in the future resemble the T-800 from the Terminator movies. They do. It also, it also sees everything in the color red with a computer readout on its HUD. Mm. The hospital patient list is made up of crew members or, or their families. 
Alexander Fierro, Frank Squillis, and Emmett Houston, Lucille Brown, Angel Pollard, Adrian Houston, who's supposed to be the infected store clerk from Emmett's electronics store, Mark Lewis, Brendan Thomas, Larry Houston, Greg Garcia, Joe Brown, and Babe's Battle. Babe's Battle. That's what it says. Okay. Uh, during one... Hang on. Yeah. One of the dying mutants seen on cable screen is Ileana Rasputin, younger sister of X-Men character Colossus. Mm-hmm. Your favorite. In the comics, she died of a legacy of the legacy virus, a disease similar to the plague featured in this episode. Ah. Apocalypse disguised himself as the anti-mutant scientist working for Creed and the Friends of Humanity and is the only as one who actually created the virus. Hmm. Makes sense. This is episode, the second episode is the debut of Tyler, Cable's son. Mm-hmm. Wolverine's mutant healing powers, curing him from the virus is similar to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And when Cable's computer is going over the X-Men roster, he mentioned that he knows all about Cyclops and Jean Grey. Hmm. This is because Cable is the future son of Cyclops and Jean. Bum, bum. <laughs> Which every X-Men fan worth their salt knows that. Yeah. Unless you're walking in this blind. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our... Also, Iron Man and uh, Nathan War Machine. Fury. Yeah. And War... Yeah, it was War Machine. It, it was War Machine. Man. War Machine and, and, uh, and Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Really? It's it's not the Samuel L. Jackson version, because yeah. this is before they made that version. Right, right, right. It's And I do mean the ultimate version by that, not because yeah. that's... They literally based yes. them on... Mm-hmm. This is literally... Uh, the old white man, old white yeah. guy, is in this yeah. episode for a hot yeah, yeah, second. Yeah. I remember thinking, Hasselhoff. Well, the thing is, I had to hit pause while I was watching it because I was like, "Is that Iron Man? Why is he purple?" Because he looked purple in this yeah, shot. He was. It didn't occur to me that that was actually War Machine. Yeah, that was War Machine. But then I paused and I go, "Hang on, <laughs> that's Nick Fury, Agent uh, Agent of Shield, <laughs> the original oh yes. Nick Fury, not Nick Fury Junior." <laughs> But yeah. Oh my gosh. What are your thoughts on this episode? My my thoughts is like, okay. Episodes. Episodes. Uh so Cable is reintroduced as a character. Yeah. Still don't know why there's two cables right now. Why around. are there two cables? Why? I really <laughs> makes hope... no sense. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I don't know how the rest of X-Men 92, as as it's easier to call it that yeah. now, uh is goes if it ever explains why cable shows up twice. But I hope if it doesn't, that in X-Men 97, Cable shows back up and he has to time travel through the events of the first series. And that's why we saw him in season one. So so here, here's the thing. It's and like, the thing is, no one recognizes Cable. They, they do, shots. actually. They, yeah, do, they actually. do, they do, they do. They do, they do recognize Cable doesn't them. recognize them. Which is like, what the? It's like, it's uh, like oh, Cable, the, what are you doing here? It's when, like, he's like, who? I'm a time traveler or from the future. future no you're a mercenary from genosha yeah. <laughs> i'd be like are there just two of you you for you know is there a part or is it a back to the future thing where is- you're, you're you're stuck there's a party that's stuck in the past and you don't realize you're stuck in the past <laughs> this is getting out of hand now there are two, <laughs> two of them <laughs> but yes but like this is an interesting story because there again it it go it takes this idea of like taking an event from a different perspective yeah and cable having to do the worst thing ever he has to help apocalypse in order to save his own future which is worse <laughs> which at the same time he finds a way around that because does. 
Deus Ex uh, Wolverine powers. Yeah, Deus Ex Wolverine powers. <laughs> Wolverine can do anything. Yeah. He can, he can cure a plague. <laughs> and that's, okay, let's talk about that plague okay, right yeah. quick. We just lived through a plague <laughs> by all yeah. technical accounts. Yeah. And thanks, COVID. <laughs> yeah, thanks, COVID. And so looking at that virus yes. that they showed on the microscope, did that definitely seem a little more mechanical to you than it should have? Very, very like mechanical. Nanobot machines, probably yeah, more than bit, anything else. A little bit. Going, that's not a virus. That's a you're literally getting infecting them with a computer virus. Did you all just hear that term and thought, let's do that? Yeah. Well, I, I know I know at the time in the comics they were doing um uh, like Plaxis or something like as a as a villain that was kind of like that in a way. Because that was like one of the very first early yeah comics that Jim uh Joe Matarera was doing the art for X-Men. So I'm I'm assuming they're basing that off that. Probably but uh I I <sighs> There, there's so much of the where there, there's the friends of humanity, their their spokes idiot, uh, is is claiming that mutants ben, brought this. For, and don't here, forget, don't forget, their spokes idiot is the father of Sabretooth. <laughs> that is true. Spoiler: They have not touched on that at all. No, they have, like, but they will later. I remember like, that. They have to. They look alike. <laughs> they do look alike. So here's the thing that made no sense to me. Like the the first I'm going through, like episode uh, part one going into the two is that creed tries to infect um beast. beast tries to infect beast bishop obviously jumps in and then he infects himself and it's like okay he goes like he goes to the hospital I mean, like people are around him they're probably checking for him checking on him and he's screaming oh this bloody mutant did this and blah 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 blah, blah. i'm sick be like the mutants did this like they would find the vial on your person when they're checking you. It's like, Wait, what's are this? You, are you talking about when he when when they when they're at the bottom of that mansion in the basement? No, 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 no. Like when uh when when Creed is going to try to sneakingly try to infect uh Beast with oh, the yeah, virus, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Bishop goes in and wrestles him to the ground. Right. He injects himself with it, and it's like to me, it's just like okay, you you either you're going to the hospital, people are checking on you. They would find that vial on your person, and you're claiming the mutants did it, but they found a vial that has this this virus on it. Doesn't affect humans, but it doesn't it does affect humans? It affects humans. If it doesn't, it's just not infected yet. a mutant yet. Yeah, which but makes it no doesn't sense. Be, doesn't become an issue until it affects mutants, unless yeah. that mutant apparently is Wolverine, because he can cure it faster than. Yeah, but Everyone it's yeah. It's, going, how did you not know this? He could have, even if he got infected later, his antibodies would have yeah very still easily generated that and that still no could have been gone. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Moving that, on. That is true. You're not supposed to think about it. It's that hard. Yeah. So when a bishop goes back in time, when he goes back in time, be like, "Who's the X Men?" It's like, what? The X Men are gone. Or correction, when Bishop goes back to his his in, in time, his future. It's a good future. Yeah. Minus but now there's a plague. There's a plague and no and X-Men. The, and the guy doesn't even know about what the plague is. Like, yeah, after uh, Senator Kelly's uh, assassination, assassination attempt, attempt was was, uh, was foiled, uh, foiled uh, and he he became pro-mutant, uh, this virus didn't have anyone. To, it, it somehow it eradicated the human, the, the mutant gene. Yeah. It's but, like. And it destroyed the X-Men? And somehow destroyed the X-Men. Like, eh, 
okay timey wimey but yet okay here's the thing bishop's time is what 2012 no it's, it's like 2000 it's it's like 20 it's it's like within the next hundred years. Yes, yeah, uh, from like that. from the yeah. stuff. Whereas cable is from the year three thousand ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Thirty nine ninety nine. Something like that. He's near the year four thousand. Cable's future did not change with the death of Senator Kelly. Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> it's it's just literally here's our big plot point we're going to try to get into, and we got to try to mingle these two stories together which don't really work they tried they, so they tried and they, it was it was it's not a bad episode don't get no, me wrong not. but it's, it's just so like we got we got to do this weird thing please don't think about it too hard your kids don't think about it too yeah, hard kids you're not thinking about it as hard as an adult who's a reviewer you're thinking like, about it way too hard like, hang on no you got to make this work it's like and then how over the course of two thousand years did you not solve the plague already? Yeah. Was it mutating faster than you could do anything about it? And if so, where's Wolverine? We know he had to have survived at least until long enough to get infected. Survived in another timeline, too. Except, yeah, because that's still his skeleton yeah. in the lab. And so he can, at least survived to get turned into an animanium skeleton yeah. in Goober's lab. Yeah, Forge. Forge's lab. Yeah. Like, what the it's crap? Like, <laughs> It's like like you you could you <laughs> so you you couldn't pull the the genes from Wolverine's skeleton. Well, I mean that part makes sense because yeah. we don't even know if Wolf, Wolverine's actual skeleton is in there. If that's just the animanium plated bones, like yeah. we don't know if the bones are actually in the in the animanium. Yeah, they could be. You just, assume it is. Yeah, you but at the same time, this is at the point now where. Wolverine probably could regenerate as long as an atom of him survives. Oh, here, here's the funny part of that one because you see his skull and it's got his little horns yes. on it. I'm like, that's not his skull, people. <laughs> that's his helm. That's his little. At hat. the very his least, little, it's, it's his hair. It's his hair when he doesn't have the mask on. Yeah, but so what? it's part of his skull now. Is that part of his uh, his mutant uh, gene where it's like I've got hair coming out of a skull that looks like a helmet, but nuance. Like it's it's one of those episodes you don't want to try to think too hard. But if you're if you're any kind of nerd or someone who likes to the problem, things, well, the, the problem it's is drive you nuts. The problem is it opens the door by being a time travel episode. Yes, and they don't have their time travel logistics down as well as it should be yes because that's the problem anytime you deal with time travel is you've got to cover up the plot holes so well you have to uncover them with a uh, metal detector basically yeah. you they can't be this visible but they're this visible because saban was a cheap company at the yeah time, true and marvel barely was doing anything and we're lucky we got a good show out of this in the first place that's true and it lasted what five seasons five seasons yeah five seasons. plus we get a crossover later on with spider-man yes. mm-hmm. but yeah it's the show you just don't want to think about it too right hard. otherwise it'll make your head hurt indeed or or, or make the atom uh, the adamantium in your skull melt Granted, I did like the way they figured it up where it's like, oh, yeah, there's one person who this can actually work with. And it made sense. Yeah, it made sense. It uh, You do have to wonder why no one else thought of that. But, yeah, and, they're, they're and why it didn't happen naturally. How badly did it mutate before it get to Wolverine the first time? Mm-hmm. Was Wolverine 
did Wolverine die before he could get infected before? You're not supposed to think about this hard, but yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, good, good episodes. Just don't think about it too hard. Right. So next, what's next? Next time. We'll be looking at a rogue's tale. I'm assuming based on rogue and beauty and the beast. Ah, so who's the beauty? We obviously know who the beast is. It's Gambit. <laughs> Gambit's the beast. Gambit's the beast. <laughs> beast isn't the beast. We already had. Maybe the, it's a Wolverine story. Who knows? We already had the Gambit centric episode and the Wolverine centric episode. I'm wondering if in a Rogue's Tale we might see Carol Danvers. Oh, that might be a good. Yeah, might. But anyway, we will find out next week with maybe a special guest. Uh, you got anything to add before we cut out of here? Uh, no. Ah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, our first live action movie yeah. since we left another podcast. Exactly. Well, well correction. Correction. We have been guessing on other stuff. Yeah. And we, ha- we have done Cellcast Plus before. Yes. And has those and been released yet? Uh, some of they've not been released to the public. Oh, uh, okay. The patrons have a couple of them. Oh, okay. So yeah, we we have done a, a few Cellcast Plus. Well, obviously our our lovely patrons have a few of them. Some of the that have not been released yet. Uh, because are, I just didn't get around to them, and that's why we're moving them to a normal episode because it's easier for me to get those edited that way. Exactly. But anyway, yeah, because that's that's the thing. Unless it's a, a reaction episode, it's mm-hmm. not a turn around and drop it. Yeah. <laughs> like reaction episodes are very true minimal editing these i try to do the list a little bit more editing on regular episodes but anyway join us next week for glass onion Mm -hmm. but in the meantime this is drew this is jacob and we'll catch you in the next frame follow (laughs) you can follow jacob on his facebook at jacob b heron his Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at G. George 759. His Twitter at G. George 759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L.
I don't have anything. <laughs> I, I hope this is the last time I have to do it. Have a toxic bath because that was sticky. Gets everywhere. It takes a while to get through it. And it's just like it's just okay. It's that's bad. far more information than anyone wants to know. Yeah, it's it, those. Yeah, you don't want to know. It smells. 